Before I start this show, I wish to dedicate it to some really special people. First of all, from the 14 world, Frank Drake, who passed away on September the 2nd at the age of 92, who came up with the equation that estimated the probability of alien life out there. Secondly, I dedicate this show to Ronnie Ferguson. This was a man, when my brother passed away, prevented me doing something very stupid that probably would have had a negative effect on the rest of my life. And I'll always thank him and be grateful for that. Rest in peace, Ronnie. Secondly, to James Rush, a kind, creative soul that just brought an air of calm whenever I was in his presence. Rest in peace, James. Next, Mick Murter, a crazy punk rocker that brought a smile and chaotic noise wherever he went. Rest in peace, Mick. And very recently, I wish to dedicate this to a really beautiful, kind soul, Karen Sulman, and a dad who passed away only a few hours later, who never kicked this hyperactive teenager out of his house, no matter how noisy and raucous I got. Your kindness will always be remembered. All of these people had an impact on me in my life, and I wish to send my love and best wishes to all their family and relatives and loved ones and dedicate this show to them. finally here it feels so good to be recording this and getting it out there I can't tell you it has taken over my life recently but we'll come on to that later so we've got a really amazing show we've got a load of news I've got a story from listener Derek which I've waited because I wanted to put it on a proper show because it's worth it and we've got a competition <laughs> and a problem for what's new like I said, this show's cursed and uh, <laughs> it never ceases to uh, amaze me how much things do go wrong. But there you go. A big shout out to Tim. If you check out 14 times, he's done a write-up. And if you're desperate to see what I look like, you can see me there. Second to the left, stood next to Sam. Uh, <laughs> but go check out the new 14 times. Featured in there. Fantastic. Absolutely amazing. The Fighting Film Festival was, was brilliant. It's going to be exciting next year as well. I need to have a bit of an honest talk with you guys, though. You know, it's, I want to just put into context how much this show has taken me. It, in terms of hours, I've probably spent maybe 70 hours in <laughs> researching and writing. It's th the script itself is 33 sides of A4 and 2,000, um, no, 22,355 words. So that's more than two dissertations at university. This is all on my own time, on top of my full-time job, on top of being a dad. Um, 
and and I just need I need your help. I, I'm at a bit of a, a crossroads. The show's doing really really well. I got a book offer, and I had to turn it well, put it on hold, saying I just don't have time to do it at the moment because it, this show does mean a lot to a lot of people, and I get messages off you all. But it's also kind of taking over all of my life just to do it. And even though I haven't put a show out, I have been working on shows that I've literally just chucked away and not used because I've not had time to finish. So I would like to be able to do this show and I need your help in just telling other people, sharing it on social media when it's out, leaving a review, anything like that. You know, for, for this for this show, just for all the September's news, and this is why it's taken so long, I have researched, read, and, you know, sorted through probably over 500 different articles to choose the ones that are in here. Then I read them all quite in-depth, do extra research often, and then compact them into a paragraph and try and make it slightly funny. It's, it's a lot of work, and I'm getting told off by my kids and my girlfriend. <laughs> from doing too much work. So please, please, please just tell people, tell your mum, share it, get it out there, leave reviews, and I'll be so grateful. And, you know, it'd be nice to get to a point where I could maybe, you know, even just lose one day at work and do this show and make it doable. So I'm immediately starting on December's show and trying to get all the December's news out because if I start now, then it's, you know, it's out there. So I know that's a ramble, but thank you so much. I've also, you know, it does cost me um, to do this show every month. And I've got a, a coffee page that you can go to. I'll leave the link below. I want to thank Nick, and who, um, who donated a coffee. And to Janice, who donated a coffee and left a lovely message. Thank you so much, Janice. That was really kind. And uh, to someone else that is anonymous who donated... Thank you so, so much. You can go on there and buy a coffee. And basically, I, I, I've got to pay for a, a provider that hosts the show. And as you know, for people that are listening for a while, my computer broke. I bought a new computer just to do the show, even though I've hardly done it, um, that I'm paying out every single month on that as well. So if, if you, you know, for the next few hours, enjoy it and you think that's worth paying for a coffee, then that'd be greatly appreciated. Now, we've got a competition where you can win a ghost. Now, the problem is um, my Instagram got hacked. I, I know my, my email got hacked before. I'm, this is what I mean, cursed. Um, I got a notification to say that someone had logged into my account in Leeds, so I immediately went on um, and, and tried to kind of log out of everything, change passwords and all that type of thing. But yeah, I can't get into my 14 News podcast Instagram at the moment. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We have got a 14 News podcast Twitter. I'm going to put a picture on there that I want you to like and retweet. And I also want you to go on Instagram and go to all one word, the original vault ghost and follow them. And what we're going to do is I will pick a winner at random, I'll put all those names into a hat, so hopefully there's not thousands of you. Um, and I will choose a name at random, and then I will uh, get in touch with you to get your address and send it out anywhere in the world as well. This is open worldwide, 
we'll get it sent out to you in the post and I'll chuck in a few 40 News Podcast stickers and all that type of thing as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's great fun. It's great to be able to do this. And thank you so much to Kate and the Ivy Coven um, for, for giving us the prize. The Ivy Coven is in the market vaults in Scarborough. It's haunted down there. It's a place where Blackfriars used to have a monastery and a graveyard. And a Blackfriar is often seen walking around there. So you can go and check him out. And when you've done that, Go into the Ivy Cavern shop. It's like a little slice of a fairy kingdom heaven. You just go in there and you feel automatically relaxed. Kate is an incredible artist. She designs books. She's written children's books. She makes jewellery. She's also got other artists um, working there that anyone that is into the 14 world will just adore. So uh, definitely go and check out the Ivy Cavern on... um, instagram as well and i'll also put kate's page in the notes to the show so go and do that 14 news podcast on twitter like and retweet the picture and go on to the original vaults ghost let me just check i've got that right the original vaults ghost on instagram and follow them as well and we will choose a winner and get it out to you it's exciting i've just changed my top because uh it was rustling, so no doubt you could hear that as well. I know I've been having a conversation with a few people on uh, Facebook on the 14 News podcast page. That was linked to the Instagram one, so I can't get into there either. So I apologise that we're halfway through conversations and I've not been able to get back in touch with you, but hopefully we'll get that sorted soon. I am setting up another podcast just called James Coppert's Interviews. Um, I've been doing lots of interviews. I interviewed like Thomas Henley from the um, Thoughty Arty Pod, who um, is a brilliant autistic guy that I did for a training event. And, you know, I've been interviewing a few other people. It's gone really well. So people have said, why not do um, a podcast where I'm just interviewing people? So anything that's 14 related will still be on this show. And I'm going to do a few over Christmas because they're, they're just really easy to do. Um, and get them out there and have some really interesting people to talk to. So we're going to be doing that. So just keep subscribing and liking the feed and and liking the feed, watching out for the feed for them to come out. Um, And as soon as I set up this other one, I'll let you know. I want to interview people, obviously famous people, but also people that are just fascinating or peculiar or even people I don't agree with and have a really good debate. So I'll let you know when that's up anyway. And the other things just to say before I get into it, um, I've also been doing a uh, TikTok stream. So wherever I go with work or just on my travels, I um, tell a ghost story from the area that you can go and listen to. And it's it's proved really, really popular. As I said before, some of them, I think I've got like 17,000 views on and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll, I'll post the link below so you can have a look at that if you do TikTok or are interested. I was posting them on Instagram as well, but obviously <laughs> can't do that now. But yeah, people are really enjoying that and finding finding them interesting and amusing. Someone said they're really funny. Uh, they're not meant to be. People just laughing at me, but I'm okay with that. So, uh, so go check those out. And I've got a real special treat at the end, a world exclusive. I've got a song from the forthcoming Weaver Birds album, and it's got a 14 theme to it. So I'm going to play that and I'll leave in the notes the link 
to go on the SoundCloud and check it out and stream their album and all that type of thing. So, yeah, let's get into the show. Paranormal news from September. A study has been published by a group of psychologists stating that some people may have a condition called haunted person syndrome. Look, I know what you're thinking. It's a group of psychologists and it's a peer-reviewed paper. It's going to say that we're all a little crazy, isn't it? But refreshingly, the study states, ghostly episodes, shamanic experiences and general high strangeness have been well documented throughout history. Furthermore, over 100 years of modern empirical psychology show that they're not going to go away despite changes in society's zeitgeist. In other words, even as people have moved more towards science and abandoned their spirituality, and belief in religion has changed or even decreased, this phenomena continues throughout history and that it is a cross-cultural experience, no matter what the culture, what the country, this experience still occurs, even to those that are highly sceptical or complete non-believers can still experience high strangeness. The authors also state that, in these sorts of experiences, knowing that your experience is actually not uncommon and has some predictable components is often helpful. Lathan and Horan propose four core features of the haunted people syndrome, namely, one, the meaning-making or narrative created around the haunting experiences is influenced by personal backgrounds, beliefs and personality characteristics. Two, anxiety and distress regarding hauntings are a function of the nature, closeness and spontaneity of the anomalous experiences. Three, distress and unease make anomalous experience more likely to occur. 4. Anomalous experiences tend to be contagious, i.e. anomalous experiences can spread to others. I find that word very hard to to say, have you noticed? They also state that some people may have more spiritual transliminality, as in they have a hypersensitivity to the unconsciousness of spirituality, where it actually becomes conscious thought. You see... It all links to consciousness, just as I've always said. Their study is pretty complex, and it's in far too much detail to go in here. But I recommend that you do try and give it a read. And it'd be great, wouldn't it? I'm going to get in touch with them and see if I can get them on this show. It's worth asking. But what's amazing, this is a peer-reviewed paper that says that high strangeness does actually occur no matter where you are, who you are, in the world... And it always has occurred. And not only that, they actually state in the paper that it's not uncommon. That is quite a normal feature of our lives. Only 34% of homeowners said 
that they would inform a new potential buyer that the house had any paranormal activity in. And 27% of people said that they wouldn't be honest about paranormal activity with a new buyer, even if they asked them directly. Interestingly, in relation to this, as a side note, many listeners may know of the USA court case of Stamboski versus Ackley, where a man moved into a new home and found, to his horror, that it was haunted with poltergeist activity and apparitions. He said he wanted the sale of the house made void and earn a refund, as this wasn't disclosed to him, despite the previous owner publicly stating the house had haunting activity on previous occasions while it occupied the home, even having people pay to go for tours around this haunted house. This proved that he knew the house was haunted and it should have been disclosed to the new owner. The case was won and went down in history as the Ghostbuster ruling. Also, interestingly, while we're talking stats, I just found out that in 2015, Pew Research Centre conducted a study that found the more religious people are who attend a place of worship, the less likely they are to experience paranormal activity. This is probably ironically at odds to what most sceptics believe about the type of people that believe in paranormal activity. So, is this again related to a connection to a consciousness and those that who are more religious will be influenced by the dogma that paranormal activity doesn't exist and so are less likely to then experience it. First is Stull, a small town in Kansas. Toto? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Here on the site, there used to be a church where legend states people carried out occult rituals and worship. Now on spring equinox and Halloween, when else, steps appear. No, <laughs> not the pop group. Even hell isn't that cruel. It says that if you walk down these steps, you will never be seen again. Next is Mount Osore in Japan. Below the mountain is Sanzu River, where Buddhists believe your soul needs to cross to reach the afterlife. Depending on how well you did while alive, the river will determine your transition to reach the other side. Those who were kind are said to transition smoothly through a bridge or port, and those that did not do so well are accompanied by dirty, dingy waters full of snakes and other reptiles. The land is charred and full of bubbling pits filled with sulphur fumes, thus giving the impression of hell. The land is also said to be guarded by Jizo. I imagine it's like Lizzo, but more white and salty. Lizzo of Hell is a guardian of children, and statues are said to be all over the place, filled with offerings in order to help the departed gain entry to heaven. Third are the caves of Diros in Greece, said to be the entrance to the underworld where Hades lives. The Spartans made many human sacrifices down in the caves. Many locals are still scared that one day a crack may appear and the gate to Hades will be open again. Fourth is an island in Ireland called St. Patrick's Purgatory. According to a local legend dating back to the 5th century, Christ showed St. Patrick a cave and said it was the entrance to purgatory. 
A monastery was built on the site, with legend saying that the monks there still guard the gates. Fifth is a place full of legend. Hekla, volcanoes in Iceland. The Vikings who first saw it erupt thought that hell itself was bubbling over. Folklore states it's a gathering place for witches and that shadowy figures come out of the volcano. I've seen these and I call them smoke. <laughs> Locals also report a feeling of malevolence when they are nearby. Seventh is the Cenot Cave in Mexico. Underwater caves which are filled with skeletons. Are they sacrifices or just people that have fallen in and drowned? Either way, they are said to be near the entrance of the underworld. Seventh is Fangdu Ghost City in China. Fangdu got its name as a ghost city during the Eastern Han Dynasty when two imperial officers, Ying Changsheng and Wan Fangping, came to Ming Mountain to practice Taoism and through reaching enlightenment became immortal. The combination of their names, Yin Wang, means King of Hell, and so the site became focused on the travel to the underworld. Many temples there and shrines show paintings and sculptures of people being tortured for their sins. Cute. Eighth is Plautonian, a Hierapolis in Turkey. There was a temple there dedicated to the god Pluto, and there archaeologists found a small cave with stairs. It is full of poisonous gas, with legend stating it was sent there by Pluto to stop people travelling down to the underworld. Many animals were sacrificed to the god, and now locals say if birds or animals go near, they instantly die. Although similarly, if they went near your granddad after Christmas dinner, it's probably just the gas. Number nine is Huska Castle in the Czech Republic. Whereas most castles are protect the inhabitants from people outside getting in, this seems to be built to stop something on the inside getting out. Legend states that in the centre courtyard there was a hole that winged creatures that were half human and half beast would fly out of. They offered a prisoner a pardon if they agreed to be lowered down the hole by a rope and report what was in there. One man agreed and he was lowered down, but within seconds he started frantically screaming in fear and they pulled him up, shocked at what they saw. In just those few seconds the prisoner had aged into an old man with white hair, so they covered the hole with thick concrete and there it remains. Anyone that's interested in hearing a real deep dive into this, check out Astonishing Legends, who do a good few hours on Huska Castle and its legend and folklore. Absolutely fascinating, as all their shows are. And finally, number 10, Lake Avernus in Italy. The volcanic crater was believed by the Romans to have an underwater cave leading to hell, not helped by reports of strange frantic splashing noises and shadow creatures emerging from the water. As interesting as many of these sites are, it's inaccurate. As anyone really wanting to experience what the gateway to hell looks like, please visit your local shopping centre or mall any weekend in the lead up to Christmas. The Black Lion Inn in Barbell, Flintshire closed in 2010 after dwindling amounts of customers. When it first opened in the 13th century, those travellers on horseback would stable their horses and rest their heads under its roof, maybe after a Welsh meal of lava bread and Glamorgan sausage and a skinful of ale. Then in more modern times, it was more of a pub, 
a place where people gathered, drank, sang and told stories. Then, in even more modern times, we stayed in, drank alone, argued with people on Twitter and cried alone in the night talking to ourselves, meaning places like the Black Line closed its doors to the public. Now in 2022, abandoned no more, the Black Line Inn has transformed again, this time being converted into homes. However, have the spirits who were residents for centuries moved out? Or will they be fighting with the new occupiers? One famous poltergeist there was said to apparate as a man in an iron mask who would rap on the doors and walls as well as shout with some reporting that it would appear and the glass would just shatter. Now when I say a man in an iron mask and raps, I mean knocking, as some of you will think I'm talking about the ghost of MF Doom. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a joke that will be got by a couple of you with exceptionally good taste in music. Rest in peace, MF Doom. Another ghost, previous owner Jane Forkin Russell, yes, that was F-O-R-K-I-N-G, and not me saying I didn't like her, she stated that she would get poked in the back by two fingers while she was alone before opening the pub. She must have been poked with two fingers before to know that it was two fingers poking her, I guess. This unseen force used to purposely push things off shelves, move objects around, and repeatedly took the clock off the wall and placed it on the floor. In other words, a right pain in the backside. So if you are moving in there, good luck. And if you struggle, get in touch with us on Yorkshire Coast Paranormal Investigations and we'll help you out. Kent's newspaper published an article of the most frightening buildings which didn't disappoint. First, was their impressive Dover Castle. First built as a Roman lighthouse, it became a big Norman castle in 1066, and with its numerous underground tunnels and fortification, it became an important military command centre used by Churchill in World War II. A lady in a red dress, no singing Christopher, I heard you, it's banned, has been seen walking around inside the keep walls. Also, in the same area, a cavalier has been spotted. Not a Vauxhall or a dog, a bloke with a funny hat and a moustache. This is an English heritage site with thousands of tourists each year. While visiting the tunnels, many have witnessed World War II troops as if they're just going about their regular business as they would have done during the war. Soldiers in khaki who have escaped from Dunkirk can be seen with blurred faces and violent screams for help, help can be heard echoing through the chambers. It is said... That little drummer boy was once on an errand delivering money and thieves stole his money and cut off his head. I'm sorry, I don't believe this. If you're going to steal from a boy, you just steal from him. There's no reason to go and cut off his head. Those that have had to sit through a football match with a drummer for more than 10 minutes know exactly why they cut off his head. Anyway, he can be seen walking around headless while merrily bashing away on his drum. Not a euphemism. Drops in temperature can occur suddenly, although it is England, so, you know. Disembodied voices can be heard and poltergeist activity with doors being flung open and slammed shut. A camera crew was stood at the gates in the dark and jumped suddenly out the way when they heard a scream as someone threw themselves over the battlement and was falling towards them. But nobody arrived and nothing hit the floor. <coughs> At St Bartholomew Hospital, built in 1078, in one room you look up and see a lady who proceeds to walk through a wall. 
The most famous ghost is of a small, crying boy who is looking for his mummy and daddy. He's seen that often. They have a really good description of him. His brown hair and a tatty white shirt, grey sleeveless pullover, grey short trousers and long socks which are down by his ankles. Seeing him is said to be a harbinger that patient on the ward that's been cared for is going to die that day. Rochester Castle is haunted by residual footsteps walking up and down. At Chatham Dockyard, a sailor can be seen from HMS Gannett and a Spanish-looking man walks around the exhibitions at night. I did laugh when reading this. How do they know that he's a Spanish-looking man? Does he walk about with paella and a bottle of sangria or something? In Canterbury Cathedral, the Archbishop Simon Sudbury was killed by anarchist Watt Tyler in the Peasants' Revolt of 1381. Sudbury's ghost is said to haunt the tower that's named after him. In the tower there's a bedroom and guests staying there report that he appears in grey robes and tucks them in. That's nice. I imagine they have a lovely night's sleep after being tucked in. In the cathedral, there's an area called the Dark Entry. Yep, we've all been there. Nell Cook was a servant to a canon. Now, not the gun kind, the vicar kind. And found out that he was having an affair. So being a true Christian, she poisoned him and his mistress, killing them both. After finding this out, the clergy tried her and found her guilty. And being true Christians, buried her alive under Dark Entry. If it's a dark Friday evening... Nell can be seen, but if you do see her, be warned. Legend says it means that you will die soon after. Also seen in the cathedral walking around is a monk who is said to have a thoughtful expression on his face. Just like you, I wondered what that looked like, so I googled it, and what it is is someone with their index finger on their chin looking diagonally upwards. On Sheerness Docks, a ship hand was walking towards the custom buildings. He claimed he saw a tall apparition in Elizabethan clothing walking above the road. As the ghost then reaches Garrison Port Fort, he passes through the wall, disappearing completely. At Chiddingstone Castle, a lady famous for a three-corner hat rides the lanes on a horse but disappears as soon as she enters the grounds. Her origins are still unknown. At Hever Castle, Anne Boleyn is said to cross the bridge every Christmas Eve. I hate to break it to you ghost hunters, but that's probably Santa. Come on. Coast to Coast featured some interesting footage filmed in Arkansas at the Crescent Hotel and Spa at Eureka Springs, which some call the most haunted hotel in the USA. It shows two ladies lying on each of their beds and giving a quick tour of the room. A child suddenly runs past the camera. The child seems to be a girl with long black hair and wearing a plain white dress. As the article states, the footage is peculiar as the ladies in the room don't seem to notice the child running on camera. And also, the child doesn't make any sound when a child sprinting at that speed would. And the other strange thing that I notice, which the article doesn't mention, is that if it was a real child running she wouldn't have enough time to stop after sprinting at speed only inches from the wall and cupboard meaning you would have seen and heard a crash 
but there's nothing. If this isn't CGI, then this is definitely one for you to check out and get a chill from. You can now sleep aboard the USS Hornet classed as the most haunted ship in the USA. The Hornet has had a long history of seeing action and has had over 300 deaths from those serving on board. Sadly, it is a boat with one of the highest suicide rates in the USA Navy. It's even seen deaths on board since becoming a museum and it has certainly left its mark. According to 1945.com, flashlights turn on and off by themselves. Switches on board the ship get flicked up and down or turned around. Locker doors are thrown open and shut and objects can move all by themselves. A girl scout troop was staying there one night and heard a man scream for help. Later that night, a man entered their room dressed in khakis. When this happened, one of the girl scouts quite understandably cried out in terror and threw a deck of cards which passed right through the man. Dan Brisker was placed on fire duty sometimes between 1965 and 69, meaning he was alone on parts of the ship overnight. One night, he heard work being done on a firebox boiler, despite him knowing there was absolutely no one else there but himself. He started to walk to the boiler room and heard a paint scraper being dropped. But when he got to the room, it was completely empty, but there was this paint scraper on the floor. Another family took a tour of the ship, which they filmed. But when they got back, they noticed a strange light on the camera. They wound it back and looked at it frame by frame, and saw the light wasn't a light at all, but a figure. And that figure was of a man, in a sailor's uniform with a pack of cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve. Also, now open for tours, is the Cannon City Woman's Correctional Facility. This was built in 1935 and is now the Cannon City Correctional Museum in Colorado. People visiting this ex-woman's prison have smelt tobacco suddenly being lit up, even when no one else is around. Strange orbs are said to fly around, and it's also common to hear the sound of people coughing and terrifying screams being heard of the dead. As terrifying an experience as that is, it can't be as bad as trying to sit through an episode of Prisoner Cell Block H. Only in your state ran an article of the history of the House of Seven Gables, with a passing mention to some of the paranormal goings-on. The house was built in 1668 and was made famous by Nathaniel Hawthorne's novel of the same name. It's known for shadowy figures wandering in the rooms, as well as Hawthorne's cousin, Susan Ingersoll, having said to have her spirit seen after she had lived in the house. A little boy has been seen playing in the attic, and this is reinforced by people who have heard footsteps underneath like a child walking on the attic floor, interspersed with a little boy's laughter. Also in only in your state was the Hasita Head Lighthouse in Oregon, the beautiful lighthouse and cottages were built in 1892 to warn ships of the rocky outcrops of the Oregon coast. Today, the gorgeous lighthouse keeper's cottage is a bed and breakfast maintained by the Forestry Commission. The guests repeatedly report peculiar experiences attribute to one of the lighthouse keeper's wives. Legend says she had one of her children drowned and she's still searching for him. In fact, 
one visitor saw a lady in a dress float down the hallway and quickly out the front door. In the bedroom, the bed can be freshly made and then it starts showing indentations like a bottom has sat down on the bed. Staff have heard whispers and footsteps in the building when no guests are staying and sometimes things fly off the shelves autonomously though they're quick to point out that they don't think that the ghost is malevolent. Staffordshire Live posted an article about Sinai House in Burton after Burton Ghostworks were conducting a tour when someone was snapping photos at the house. In the first photo, the doorway is empty, and in the second, taken moments after the first, a black mass is stood in the doorway. The expert tour guide believes it's the formation of a spirit which could be a monk or a knight templar. Some say Sinai House is the final resting place of the Holy Grail. More on that later in the show. And it also has connections with the real Peaky Blinders gang. People who have walked in the ancient 15th century home have been pushed or pulled, or even had their hair stroked by an unseen force. People have also seen a ghostly horse and carriage, a hanged witch, and a monk appears at the end of the bed. I'll tell you a quick story about a monk at the end of the bed in a minute. Wellington's second-in-command, Sir Henry Paget, is said to roam the grounds, and a grey lady is seen on the bridge over the moat. In fact, it's said to house 168 ghosts, which is just greedy, and they've even caught the voice of a little girl singing through an EVP. When I was 16, I uh, went out with this, this girl called Charlotte, and we were together for five years, and they lived in a house in Hummerby, and her parents woke up one night and saw a monk stood at the end of the bed. It was weird, this house, as well, because anyone that went in it felt at ease and relaxed, just instantly had that effect. But there were two kind of really peculiar things that happened. I don't know if I've ever spoke about it on the show before. So the first one was one morning she was kicking me and like shaking her legs and started screaming. And I was like, what's, what's going on? And her sock was kind of like vibrating. She had this sock on all night and she pulled it down and there was a wasp inside the sock. So, I mean, it could have, you know, I suppose flown under the covers, gone on a leg, gone under the sock, crawled all the way through the sock into the bottom of her foot, but it just, just doesn't seem likely. Do you know what I mean? And then another morning, it was three, three peculiar things. Another morning, there was a noise that sounded like someone rolling a bowling ball along the ceiling, but not above the ceiling, like actually on the ceiling, as if it was going like right across the house through all the walls and everything, but across the ceiling. Really peculiar. And another morning, come to think of it, they're all mornings. Another morning we woke up, um, the whole house woke up because it sounded like every single pan and plate in the kitchen had all dropped to the floor and smashed. It was that loud and it that's the only way I can describe it. So we rushed downstairs and there was nothing. There was absolutely no reason as to why that that sound had occurred. And it wasn't an old house, fairly 
you know, less than 100 years old, but just very, very peculiar. It's a peculiar place. Phantoms and Monsters received a report of a couple geocaching in Pennsylvania game land. They parked their car and set off on the trail to the GPS spot. As they were strolling along, they heard what they described as Native American war drums coming from their left-hand side. They looked and stated they should have been able to see where it came from, but there was nothing there. As the drums got louder, the couple simply turned and hop-stepped it back to the car. I have to be honest though, when it comes to sounds, and particularly bass sounds and the wilderness, bass moves more air particles and thus travels further, and also reverberates and bounces off surfaces, so that sound could have actually come from anywhere, not just the direction they thought they had heard it from. However, being out in the wilderness and hearing strange tribal drumming isn't that much of a rare phenomena. I have read reports of this occurring before. Is it residual? Something natural? Are you always just in a 10 mile radius of my car when I'm banging out some heavy tunes on my speakers? The Blackpool illuminations are brought out from September onwards as a way to persuade people that travelling to get blasted by the wind on the northern coast while you can't feel your hands and feet is worth doing. Before they're brought out, they stored at a depot on Squiresgate, according to Lancashire Live. Before they were on this site, they were in a former donkey stable on Rigby Road that was said to be haunted. Workers there said they could feel a heavy presence at night which they couldn't describe, sudden cold spots and noises which they couldn't attribute to anything rational. So disconcerted they were, they brought in paranormal investigators who found out the building was haunted by a man named Ted. Ted owned a boat and drowned at sea. As interesting as this is, I want to know why Ted was haunting what would have been a donkey stable. He didn't live there or work there, so what was his connection? The Sheffield Star listed the seven most haunted pubs in the city. The Ball Innis is said to be haunted by an ex-member of staff. The haunting started after a lady who worked in the pub found out she was pregnant and tragically took her own life. Now on the upper floors, entire shells are meant to be ripped from their brackets. That's a bit off the wall. Next was Ye Old Harrow, which gained a reputation as one of Sheffield's most haunted buildings. Ghost hunters were said to have captured the picture of a female drinking. You can see the photo of this in the article, and it's about as convincing as Matt Hancock's apologies. The old Queen's Head, built in 1475, has been collecting spirits ever since. The pub, which once held the imprisoned Mary Queen of Scots, has a lady dressed in white, seen, seated upstairs. Drinkers have looked up and seen a Civil War soldier attempting to warm himself by the fireplace, and a child dressed in medieval clothing named Pierre. Pierre tries to get ladies' attention by pulling their hair, obviously mistaking the phrase on the pull. A large hunting hound lets you know it likes you by laying at your feet or across your lap scaring people to death. I assume if he doesn't lay you, it just ignores you, which in this case seems preferable. When ladies are in the toilet, a prankster ghost is said to give the door a good rattle. Let's hope if they are on the loo with the trousers down that the hair pulling Pierre isn't around. Imagine. Finally, a regular passed away in the 1970s and he can suddenly appear in his usual spot holding a pint of bitter. Obviously a decent bloke in life is now residing 
in his own heaven. Cheers. The fourth pub is Carbrook Hall, dating to the 1100s and the hall being rebuilt in 1462. John Bright is said to haunt the place where he and the Roundheads, allies to Cromwell, met before their raid of Sheffield Castle. Also appearing in spirit form is John Blunt, the old innkeeper for centuries before. A lady in 1920s clothing can be seen chilling in a rocking chair. The place, which is now a Starbucks, have had reports of another prankster spirit who enjoys locking ladies in the toilet cubicles and not letting them out. It's obviously a theme for uh, Sheffield prankster spirits. Staff in the Starbucks locking up at night have been shaken up by hearing a child laughing, or even more chilling, a crying baby, which is said to chill them to the core, which is what happens to most of us after paying for one of their coffees. Number five is the Three Tons pub, where the landlord was shocked after taking a photo and noticing the reflection of a ghost in someone's pint glass. Subsequently, investigators came in and found that the place was haunted by a mother and daughter, both of whom were called Gale. I presume bad wind runs in the family. Number six is what was known as the boardwalk and currently called the meltdown. Investigators have captured EVPs saying, Hello, who is there? Oh, wow. And, I'm sorry I let you down. Last on the list is the Winter Green Pub, which has captured its share of paranormal activity on CCTV. A salt pot moved and fell to the floor by its own accord in the middle of the night. A pint glass started moving across the side by an unseen force before smashing on the floor and what is described as a white swoosh can be seen moving through the carvery and then the carvery lights flash. On seeing this article, WAH Paranormal asked to visit the pub and appeared in a separate article in the Sheffield Star. Andrew from the group tried to record some EVPs and other readings and he said that the spirits liked the bar staff as they responded mostly to them. I can't do another bar staff and spirits pun here, can I? There was an EVP that actually asked for a staff member when they left. Sadly, the internet went hype after one of the Kardashians actually spent more time writing this sentence than finding out which Kardashian it was, and it still feels worth it. Posed for a TikTok, and everyone suddenly got overexcited thinking the house was haunted. Why, you ask? Well, there was a figure behind her on the shelf. Not a spooky human or a translucent spirit. It was a statue by the brilliant street artist Cause. Ironically, it does demonstrate that the Kardashian show is what you watch if you do want your actual soul to die. Fodor's Travel Mag posted the top 10 most haunted French chateaus. It starts with Chateau de Fougueray, which, let's be honest, looks like it was built for a movie set when someone said, draw a haunted French chateau. Added to the spook factor is it sat isolated in a surrounding forest. If it wasn't haunted already, this would be the first place French ghosts would move into. But, supposedly, it genuinely is haunted. According to the article, in the nanny's room, guests who are sleeping find someone stroking their hair and whispering soothing things into their ear. I don't know about you, but I couldn't sleep in that room. I'd be far too turned on. Maybe I could try staying in the usher's room. Here a man was said to be killed by an axe to the sternum and his ghost violently scratches you. No, still too sexy. Uh, lastly, there's Alice's room. Alice, very French name, died of a kidney disease and those that stay in the same room are said to start developing the same symptoms. 
Mm, urinary infection, yeah, not too sexy. Chateau 2, and I'm probably going to completely mispronounce this, is Chateau de Poimata, which, unlike the first one, looks like somewhere Barbie would live. But instead, it was home to Teresa saint Clare. While her husband was away at war, and maybe hearing about Chateau de Fourgret's sexy ghosts, got a little hot and bothered, and decided that she couldn't wait years for her husband to return, and so found another chap to help keep the bed warm. Her husband returned unexpectedly early, and found them embraced. He executed her lover, and placed Paul Teresa in the North Tower. There she died, and there she remained. At the stroke of midnight, she can be seen pacing the North Wing stairs, and gliding the circumference of the circular rooms, searching for solace which will never come. Number three is Chateau de Vios, home to the Baron of Vios. The Baza de Vios had a beautiful servant called Lucy, who he fell for, also known as in-work sexual harassment. However, this Baron too went to war, and the Baroness, filled with jealousy, threw poor Lucy, guilty of nothing in the tower, where she died not long after of starvation and exposure. Her poor empty body was thrown in the dungeon, but a soul had already left, where she wanders the hallways and rooms sobbing for the life that she never got to live. Number four is Versailles in a story I've covered before, so I won't go too deeply into it, but two Oxford lecturers went to Versailles and seemed to experience a time slip. They were talking to groups of people in period dress, who they then later recognised in paintings. It was a case given more veracity due to who the people experiencing it were. Number five is Chateau de Camargue. The owner of this castle, the Count de Camargue, was in a feud with his neighbour, the Baron de Bainec. The Count's daughter fell in love with the Baron's son in what the article describes as a Romeo and Juliet type scenario. However, and this is genuinely true, the author states that this story doesn't have a happy ending like in Romeo and Juliet. I'm not sure about you, dear listener, but I personally didn't get a warm, glowing feeling at the end of Romeo and Juliet when both 14-year-olds commit a double suicide at the end of the play, but each to their own. When the Count found out about their young love, he locked the Baron's son up for a few months and then beheaded him, which at the time was the most reasonable conclusion. However, it isn't this person that haunts the ruins of the castle, but that of his horse, looking for his master, and only appears when the moon is full. I wondered what unfinished business the horse might have, but then as they were French, it could have been used for dinner. To my French listeners, pardon, excusez-moi. Next at six is Chateau de Tresessant. Here, people witness a group sat at a table, continually playing cards. Although, to be honest, it could just be a family who started a game of Monopoly at Christmas and haven't finished yet. There is also said to be the spirit of a young bride, who was rumoured to be buried alive by a rival lover the night of her wedding. She now haunts the rooms of the chateau, wearing a floral crown and a long flowing silky dress. Number seven is Chateau d'Erlan, which had a cold-hearted lord. During a banquet, he and his chums were raving it up when a pilgrim knocked at the door, requesting food and lodging, as was tradition. A story obviously influencing current UK policies, instead of sharing the feast, he pulled out a dagger and stuck it in the pilgrim's heart and threw him into the moat. The next night, they all continued with their feast, but part way through the night, 
a group of faceless monks appeared and raised their knives above their head. The guests then decided that they were not that up for staying and left immediately. Now, when it is a wet and windy night, the pilgrim can still be seen wandering in the banquet hall. The tallest of them all is Chateau Number 8, Chateau de Brizac. Charlotte de Brise, the illegitimate daughter of King Charles VII, married a nobleman named Jacques de Brise, but fell in love with a huntsman named Pierre, and they started an affair. You know what's coming, don't you? It seems the French didn't handle matters of the heart too positively in the past. Yes, Jacques slaughtered the two lovers, but true love never does die, and they rose from the dead and continue to haunt the grounds, with Charlotte apparently being a regular apparition. She is seen wearing a beautiful green dress, and is often heard moaning. I wonder if she's got English ancestry. But where her nose and eyes should be, there are just deep black holes, giving new meaning to the words Holy Spirit. At number nine, Chateau de Blondes Letters is a pretty chilled out building. That is, up until November the 1st, when all the spirits are said to rise in unison, making a right racket, screaming, moaning and rattling chains. One particularly excitable gentleman appears from the 10th century holding a bloodied dagger. Maybe he has a message, but no one yet has got the point. Last but not least on the list is number 10, Chateau de Noyes. A relatively new building compared to the others, built in 1830. Things were going kind of okay in its history, until 1867, when poltergeist activity started. Books were being thrown from shelves, objects were being moved, sheets were just being pulled up into the air. The family brought in a priest to perform an exorcism, but when his chair began to shake and rock violently when he was sat on it, he got up and fled, never to return. Poltergeist 1, Priest nil. In 1984, the building burnt down in mysterious circumstances. The travel magazine listed New England's most haunted cemetery. I personally find cemeteries a weird one, as people find them one of the most haunted places in an area. But surely, by the time the vessel is placed in a box and it's buried in the ground, the soul has already gone. Or do these spaces we use to hold remembrance create a conscious space where memories then exist in another form? Actually, a couple of hundred yards from my house, we have an enormous Victorian cemetery called Dean Road. And it, for me, it's one of the most tranquil places in the town. Well, apart from when there was a flasher decided to hang out there at night. Apart from that, it was the most tranquil place in the town. Anyway, first on the list of these cemeteries is one that Ed and Lorraine Warren officially called a haunted cemetery. Union Cemetery in Connecticut has two famous hauntings. The first is a woman with long, dark hair in a dressing gown whose likeness has been attached to many of the grave residents. But let's be honest, it was probably a nursing home escapee wandering around desperately needing help and people saw her and just ran away. You think I'm joking that there was actually a story where an old lady didn't get help because people thought she was a ghost? The other haunting in this cemetery is known as Red Eyes people noticed two red eyes staring out from the bushes. And again, if this was in the UK and not America, it would be two teenagers in Adidas tracksuits smoking a bifter. However, most people instantly turn and run. And when they do, they hear loud footsteps chasing after them, with the legend attributed to a man 
who was set on fire on nearby streets in 1935. Second on the list is Pine Hill Cemetery in New Hampshire. The Blood family plot can often have visitors hearing tapping all around them, sudden cold spots and strange lights appearing. The most interesting aspect here is Abel Blood's gravestone. On top of the gravestone is a finger that points skywards. However, at night visitors have said they've seen the finger point down towards the depths of hell. Or Abel's just pointing to where he has a niche. Next is Friends Cemetery, aka Spidergate Cemetery in Massachusetts, which sounds pretty hardcore to be honest. A boy was rumoured to have died in the cemetery who is said to still haunt there. Maybe he fell into the demonic portal to the underworld, which apparently is also there. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Therefore, if you walk there at night, you risk demons taking your soul straight down to hell. Surely, like, there's got to be some sort of contractual agreement with something like that. They can't just take you. You know, a bit like insurance companies have signs on their gate about liability. So where Beelzebub has to put a sign up at the entrance stating danger, risk of soul theft, you enter at your own risk. Anyway, it doesn't stop there with this cemetery. In the centre, there's no grass growing, because there used to be a Quaker house. Only it said it wasn't a Quaker house, of course. It was an altar where witches, who else, performed evil rituals to call evil spirits. Potentially the origin story of Elon Musk. Finally, there is a gravestone of Marmaduke Earl, a Quaker who died in 1839. It is believed, for no apparent reason whatsoever, that his stone is a payphone to the dead, where you leave coins and call on Marmaduke three times, and then you can speak to the dead. Poor Marmaduke is probably turning in his grave. That could be the cause of everything else, actually. Back on this side of the pond, paranormal investigators from the Scottish Ghost Company were investigating an abandoned church in South Lanarkshire. They were using a spirit box and were surprised to hear a voice coming through that said, you're a ball bag, which instead of scaring them, made them giggle, with ball bag being a term for the male anatomy for our foreign listeners. Incidentally, some investigators do use spirit boxes, with others thinking they're a load of ball bags. The Manchester Evening News released a story about the ghost of the Marbury Lady. Marbury Park in Northwich is a serene country park nestled in thick woodland, but it's also been haunted for centuries. So much so, the locals have even put up a statue in honour of the Marbury Lady at the park's entrance. The legend states that on the ground stood Marbury Hall, home to James Hugh Smith Barry, who moved into the hall as his inheritance in 1787. James spent his youth in the way that was typical for a young man of his station at the time, travelling around Greece, Italy and the Levant, amassing arts and antiquities for his collection. While travelling... James met a beautiful Egyptian lady and fell head over heels for her. When he had to return to England, he promised that he would sort her out her travel so that she could join him and then they could get married. However, when he returned home, he found out that his family had set him up with an arranged marriage. Luckily for James, when he saw his arranged bride, he thought that she was a proper painting and he fell in love all over again and went ahead with the wedding, hoping to forget about his Egyptian lover. Time passed, and then there was a knock at the door. It was an Egyptian lady, looking for work as a servant. And once she was in the house, of course, they fell in love all over again. 
After a life together with children, his Egyptian lady died and she requested that her body be embalmed and kept in the hall. However, his family began to feel uncomfortable with the arrangement and possibly didn't like the smell and buried her in the churchyard. It was then when the hauntings began. Cupboards and doors started opening and closing seamlessly by themselves. A misty figure started to be seen around the hall and in the village as well. Legend states that they brought back her body into the hall and buried the chest she was kept in, in the wall of the building. But it only sees the hauntings for a short period of time before the lady was seen again, and is still seen to this day. The Fleece Pub in Brett in England is an old, old pub. Standing on what was once a 15th century longhouse, it became a pub in 1848 when Henry Bird was given a licence to sell alcohol. It has its fair share of activity, and because of this, they have tried to maintain some of the superstitions. One of such is the drawing of witches' circles on the hearth by the fire. This is because evil entities are apparently so thick they get mesmerised by circles and can get stuck in them. Pub landlord Nigel swears by them and says it works because now they don't get much activity, he told Wales Online. He stated that things only get thrown about now and again. Particularly if there's a falling out between staff, then things get pushed off shelves. Maybe it's Lola, the old landlady, whose shoes are to stay in their place and never be moved. Nigel said he moved them once, and a few seconds later, a saucer was hurled across the bar, not just fallen off, but thrown forward. Never mess with a lady's shoes, Nigel. Fancy owning a haunted hotel in Wisconsin, USA? Then for a cool $279,900, you can buy the Humbird Bar and Grill Hotel in the town of Humbird in Wisconsin. However, you won't get it empty. The current owners were sat in the bar and the light above them started moving. They stood up to hold it steady, but could feel someone else trying to push against them. So they sat down and looked up to watch someone put it in a full spin. In one room, guests report being watched and bedding moving as if someone's sitting down on their bed, reports SF Gate. Paranormal investigators have reportedly filmed spectres roaming the halls, which matches the reports of what many guests have seen. A nurse holding a tray often appears walking down the hallway, possibly one of the nurses who in the past used to help smallpox patients in the hotel. In another of the hotel rooms, guests have awoken to see a male spirit stood watching them. This must be absolutely terrifying and actually one of the few times when it's a relief when you realise it is a ghost and not an actual person. Guests have also reported children being seen and heard and in the pink room, an entity crawls down the wall. To be fair, in a room full of pink would drive me up the wall. Seattle is one of my most favourite places in the world. Next time I visit, I'm going to go have a drink at Kell's Irish Bar near Pike's Place Market, which not only is haunted has Seattle's biggest whiskey collection to sample. A single malt smoky peated Isla one for me, please. In the early 1900s, diphtheria roared through Seattle, killing many. And along with mining accidents, poor sanitation, poverty and crime, there was an excess of bodies and the city built a morgue in 1903 to house them. In 1983, it was bought and turned into the bar, but the dead didn't want to leave. Mirrors can suddenly shatter 
as well as objects getting moved off surfaces and knocked onto the floor. A red-haired little girl can suddenly be seen before she vanishes again, and an older man in a derby hat they call Charlie also appears, especially if live music is playing. He can also be seen in the reflection in mirrors, presumably before they're smashed. The staff working there think that both Charlie and the girl are harmless, but they do believe there is a presence they feel that is malevolent, but just hasn't showed itself yet. The Chronicle ran an article of the most haunted places in Sunderland. At the end of the article, I had to laugh because loads of people in Sunderland were complaining in the comments that they're being haunted by bin dippers, whatever that means. If anyone in Sunderland wants to let me know what a bin dipper is, I'd be really grateful. First on the list is Halton Castle. Incidentally, a place I once spent hours travelling to, only to find that it's been closed for renovation work, which they failed to mention on the website. The castle, built in the 1400s, has been haunted for centuries by the Cold Lad. The 13th Baron of Halton, Robert Halton, in the early 17th century, caught his wife having a little bit of fun rolling in the hay with the sexy stable boy. In a fit of jealous rage, he beat the poor stable boy to death and threw his body in the lake. He's then been seen for centuries in the castle, shivering, complaining about how cold he is. Other activity seen there are shadows moving from the chapels and seeping into the walls, whistles and screams, and lights on in the ruined castle even when it's empty and no one's there. The next place is the Land, Sea and Air Museum, which a little like the one in the USA I covered, features a pilot in uniform seen hanging around the hangar. They also hear a mysterious banging around the hangar, which is attributed to a World War II German prisoner of war. I was shocked when I heard that. You, you would have thought they would have let him go by now. The third building on the list is the Phoenix Hall Masonic Temple. According to the article, the temple was built in 1785 and is the oldest working purpose-built Masonic temple in the world. The basement of the temple is built on a 12th century house which archaeologists have discovered clay pots, animal bones, pipes, a thousand-year-old shoe, and if rumours about the masons are true, potentially a few sacrificed virgins. Of course, there are stories of strange goings-on. And I don't mean the masons walking about like West Coast gangsters with one trouser leg rolled up and a dodgy gan handshake. I'm talking about mysterious dark figures crouched in the corner of the room, voices coming up from the basement. And even when it's a completely dry day, wet footprints appearing on the floor. Fourth is the historic Heaton home. First built in 1240, it was used as a rectory by the bishops of Durham until 1832. Then it was used as a children's home, then a poor man's hostel. It's now a community hub, but building users of the past still linger. People report sightings of priests walking around as if still completing their daily rituals. Dark figures wearing shrouds, shrouded in mystery, can also be seen skulking in the corridors. Residual sounds, such as giggling and footsteps, are often heard. Last on the list is the Victorian Royalty Theatre. Backstage, there are disembodied voices, whistling and moaning. And that's even going on when the actors are not there. A man often sits and watches rehearsals, but as soon as someone attempts to approach him, he vanishes into thin air. Pickens County Museum in South Carolina 
has had a 75-year haunting, reports News 1, where horrible moans can be heard coming from the walls, with a voice erupting of, I didn't do it. It is said to be the ghost of Willie Earl pleading his innocence. And just before I read this, I want to give a quick trigger warning. This is a story of racism, and it is quite brutal. On February the 15th, 1947, a black man hailed a cab in Greenville to go to Pickens County. It is said that the cabbie spent the entire journey racially abusing the man, trying to get a rise out of him, and the black man just sat completely calm and ignored him. When they arrived, due to the abuse that the man received, he just got out and walked off, with the driver, Thomas Brown, chasing him, demanding that he be paid. The two began to argue, which turned into a brawl, and then Brown was stabbed to death. There was no evidence that Willie Earl was the man involved in the stabbing, but in those days, it didn't matter. Earl was charged with the attack and taken to the local jail. Sadly, the next night, a group of cab drivers stormed the jail, took Earl, beat him, cut him up, then shot him in the face with a shotgun. There were signed confessions and witness testimonies of the person who pulled the trigger, but despite this, the all-white jury found the entire mob all not guilty, a fact that upset the judge so much he refused to thank the jurors for their service. There is no wonder Paul Willie Earl's soul is tormented and seeks justice, with many paranormal investigators capturing evidence of this haunting, with some even claiming to see his handsome face peering out from the window, possibly terrified of the lynchers coming for him again in death. Maybe, even mentioning his story on this show, and all of us feeling that injustice, we can give Willie some sense of peace in a shared sense of this tragedy. I loved an article Bored Panda published this month of things that kids said nonchalantly to their parents that are really spooky. Let me read you some of my favourites. Nash Flynn said that her son stated, The world people who always have their eyes open don't like us anymore. Tamara Lynn Stewart was moving house and while packing was looking through some old photographs. One was of Tamara's father who died before a daughter was born. She asked the daughter if she knew who he was and she replied, Well yeah, he plays with me and tucks me in on a night. Petite Prima was brushing her hair with a four-year-old next to her. She said, The lady likes your hair, Mama. When she asked the child what lady, she said, The one who sleeps in bed with you at night. At, not the other Dr Rice, was rocking her two-year-old to sleep the night her father passed away, though she hadn't yet broken the news to the kids. Her two-year-old dropped her dummy or pacifier to American listeners and looked up and said, Bye-bye, Popat. Ryan Drummond said, One night, tucking in my autistic son, who said, Today is Bandy's birthday. Ryan asked him who Bandy was, to which he replied, the man who lives in my closet, and we need to buy him cake and presents. Ryan asked should we leave them over by the closet, but he said, no, he has very long fingers. At Yes Miss Murphy said she was sat with a three-year-old niece who was staring at a space on the landing, and Denise asked her with a confused look on her face, who is that? She replied, who is what? And Denise said, the man on the landing. What man, what's he doing? Just hanging there, came the response. Laura Nourish 
said a boy was almost four, and told her, while they were away on holiday, that he liked the bed on holiday more, because, unlike his bed at home, the lady in the wall doesn't come out and try to push his face down. Flex Luther heard his son call him, so he went upstairs to see what he wanted, only for his son to say, Don't, Dad. I heard it too. At Marley, mate, says a daughter used to complain that at a night a boy would stand in her bedroom staring at her, asking, Where's washers? She of course dismissed this as just a child's overactive imagination. That was right up to the point when she saw him stood there herself. ECD Smith said her neighbour went to put a blanket on their child when it got cold, but when they got there, found out he already had an extra blanket on him. They asked his brother if he'd given him the blanket, but replied with, No, the peg-leg man gave it to him. The previous owner, who had passed away in that house, had only got one leg. Those are all kind of paranormal, but the scariest one reminds me of something my nana used to say. I used to stay at her house in Coventry and see someone walking past the window in the back garden quite regularly at night and then just vanish. This, of course, made me quite uneasy to go and sleep. My nana never said that there was no one there, but what she said was, it's the living you need to be scared of, not the dead. At Guiney Struggles posted that she went into a two and a half year old's room only to find the bed empty at 1am. She found her daughter in the cupboard, in her duvet cover like a sack. She said, The man wanted to take me, but I didn't want to go, so he put me in the cupboard instead. She thought it was a dream, or imagination, or that she was sleepwalking, until she found out a whole loaf of bread had gone missing from the kitchen. And that would be the end of the paranormal stories. But we've got this brilliant story from Derek. Thank you so much, Derek, for sending it in. And I know it's been ages since you sent me it, but I really thought it was important to include it where it's worth including in a proper show. It's Derek from uh, the UK here. Um, just started listening to the podcast, uh, loving it, uh, doing it a bit weird, listening from the, uh, from the latest episodes going back in time. So, uh, yeah. That's fun. Um, yeah, I've got a story for you um, relating back to um, a time when I was working on the London Underground as an electrician. Um, this was about, I'd say, maybe year 2000, um, maybe a bit later. Uh, I was working at um, Allgate Station, um, just doing some electrical work, preliminary work for a big contract that was going on. Um, there was me and uh, one other electrician in the team. Um, yeah, and well, basically, what happened? We were working in electricity, uh, one of the electricity rooms that uh, that they have all over the underground station. Um, and through a moment of uh, a lack of concentration, shall we say, I received an electric shock, um, which I found out later uh, threw me backwards, and uh, I was knocked out. Uh, the next thing I remember was uh, being woken up by paramedics. Um, and um, yeah, and then you know I was put in an ambulance and taken to one of the local hospitals, uh, where I was I was looked after and put on monitoring for 24 hours, as as is the uh, the way we do things over here. So um, after the shift, um, my 
colleague who I was working with, a chap called Alan, uh, very straight up and down chap, came to check on me, see if I was all right. Um, um, it was about five o'clock in the morning. So we worked night shifts at engineer, on you know, engineering hours. So, yeah, it was very early. It was all very quiet. And uh, he came into the the cubicle where I was and, um, you know, after checking that I was okay and everything else, he, uh, I could see something was wrong with him. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't himself. He was, you know, something was bothering him. So I asked him, I said, you know, what's the matter? I'm okay. There's nothing for you to be worried about. I'm fine. And he said, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that. He said, uh, he said, and he explained to me what had happened, how he found me. I mean, um, I need to explain a little bit about um, the systems they used on the, on the underground in London. Um, so you have key at the time, I mean, this was 20 years ago, so it might now change, but at the time we had key holders and to be a key holder, to get into these electrical rooms and the signaling rooms and the communication rooms, you had to do several, you know, several courses and things like that. So not everybody had sets of keys. Uh, generally, it was one person in a team that had sets of keys. Um, so we had a set of keys between us, obviously, and I was working in this electrical switch room. Um, he explained to me that when I received the shock, I was thrown backwards and I hit the door, closing the door behind him. Now, the keys were inside, locked inside the room with me then, because these doors self-lock. They don't, there's no kind of, once they close, they, they lock up and you have to open them again. Um, he explained that he heard heard a bang, he came, he was in the next room, he came running around, checking if I was all right, um, and the door was closed, and, but there was, there was a porthole window in the door, so he could, um, he could see into the room, and he said what, what he saw was, was strange, he could see that I was leant up against the door, but he could also see a figure in there with me, he, he described it as uh, I mean, this is a second-hand account. I mean, I was unconscious at the time, but he described it as a, as a little old lady. And she, he said she was kneeling at my feet and she had a hand on my leg. And he was banging on, he said he was banging on the door, um, trying to attract her attention, obviously trying to open the door so he could get to me. Uh, by this point, he was, you know, he was getting quite worried and quite panicked. And he said he was banging on the door and she was getting no reaction from this lady that was in this room with me. So um, realising that she wasn't responding to his bangs and there was no way he could access me or get through the door, he, he, he went to uh, get another set of keys, which you have to go to the station supervisor for, who will hold a set of keys. He, he got these and, you know, it was about, he said about two minutes, two, three minutes journey to going to the station supervisor's office then coming back down to the electrical switch room. He said by the time he got back down there, um, there was figure was gone. There was no one in there. It was just me. You could see me in there. Um, he said there was no way the person could have got out. If there was, if, if that was, he couldn't understand it. He's a very straight-laced bloke. He's very straight up and down. He couldn't understand it, that I was leaning up against the door. My body was propped up against the door. And how could she have got out of the door that opened inwards when I was blocking the doorway with, you know, there was no physical way that she could have got out and then removed me and put me back up there. So he just didn't know what was going on. He was very, I don't know, he, just, he was worried, he was, I don't know, really, he was just, uh, um, I don't know, shocked, I suppose. I suppose, I suppose the word you, you'd used, and he couldn't understand it. So anyway, so the upshot is he managed to open the door, pushed me away from the door, got in there, the paramedics got me. I was kept in um, the hospital for 24 hours for, for observation, but um, 
yeah, um, when I got out the next day, we had to go back to the um, station to fill in the accident book. Uh, obviously, because there's an accident, we had to fill it all in. Um, so we were filling the accident book in. Um, the station supervisor asked me what had gone on, asked both of us what had gone on. And Alan, being straight and honest, told him the truth. Um, the station supervisor then did something which was quite, I thought was quite odd. Uh, he took out another diary, apart from the accident book, another book, which uh, he, he recorded you know, things in, and he, he took down the story. And um, I asked him, I said, well, you know, was the accident book not enough? You know, why are you recording this, something else? And he, he turned around and he said, well, um, this isn't the first time this has happened, apparently. This, this figure has been seen around the station. Uh, there was another incident apparently a good, good while beforehand that um, another electrician or another worker had fallen across the rails and the same figure was seen stroking his hair or the same figure of an old lady was seen sitting with him stroking his hair. So whether this entity or apparition is just, I don't know really, I don't know what, who knows, who knows anything, but something similar has happened before. So an Allgate is known as a quite an active station. So um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's my story. I've got uh, other stories, um, which I'll, I'll impart to you um, at a later date. But uh, yeah, so keep up the good work. Uh, I think your show is brilliant. And um, yeah, speak to you again soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. You've got goosebumps, haven't you? I told you it was good. Thank you so much, Derek, for sending that in. And yes, please do send in more of your stories. Absolutely incredible. Next is all the UFO news. News outlets went wild after the USA inadvertently confirmed that they had lots more videos and documents of UFOs, or as they call them, UAPs, after a Freedom of Information request was met with a statement saying they would not release more footage publicly due to harming national security. Thus, by confirming they won't release it, they confirmed that they have even more. However, they may not need to, as Space.com reported that Dr. Sasha Quantz of Switzerland's state-run Swiss Federal Institute of Technology said he thinks humans are likely to discover life beyond our planet within the next 25 years. Talking of things not of this planet, Jack Osborne, in an interview with TMZ, stated that segments of Congress, long-standing generals, they must be generals that haven't sat down in a while, as well as CEOs of aerospace and defence corporations, know the full truth behind all the aliens and UFOs. However, Jack, if we knew the full truth behind them, then we wouldn't have just set up a department trying to investigate the truth behind them all. And we'd also be manufacturing the same technology. As usual in UFO news at the moment, we have hundreds of mainstream press showing footage of Starlink satellites claiming they're UFOs, which I think will be a constant for a while until they get bored. Spacelink launched the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket at Cape Canaveral, which had a low orbit and looked like a white ball with a huge vapour trail, which was photographed by thousands of people and reported initially as a UFO. Also featured in the news this year are countless UFO reports from Ukraine, with September being no exception to this. It is axiomatic to think that the majority of these will be military-based, however, the reports from all sides, including USA monitoring military reports, 
that there are those moving in a non-combustible flight pattern at speeds beyond current capabilities. They've also been monitored by Ukrainian government astronomers who have divided some of the sightings into two categories. They have described them as either cosmics or phantoms, according to reports. Cosmics are luminous objects that are brighter than the background sky. Phantoms, on the other hand, appear completely black, as if absorbing all light falling onto them. The two observatories estimate the phantom's range from 10 to 40 feet, which is 3 to 12 metres wide, and can travel at speeds up to 33,000 miles per hour, which is 53,000 kilometres per hour. These readings are far beyond any of our current technology. Are they monitoring the situation over there? Let us not forget there's been reports for sure that many nations that have nuclear silos have had UFOs fly over and shut down the entire base, bypassing all systems and processes, almost just to demonstrate that they can. I don't know about you, but I actually feel a little bit of comfort in knowing that they're there and monitoring it. However, that idea is the opposite of Catholic theologian Dr Paul Thigpen, who told the National Catholic Register that he believes UFOs come from many origins, but some may be demonic, stating, and I quote, the diabolical hypothesis that they are demons best accounts for some UAP reports, especially some of the so-called alien abductions that demonstrate clear parallels with what the church knows as demonic encounters. He theorises that they feed off human emotions, especially suffering, and in the abductions, they sexually abuse them and inflict injury. Some of the evidence of this could be that my friend has been desperate for an alien to give him an anal probe, but has never got to have one. Had he hated it, he may have been snapped up and chosen. The Brazil UFO network posted footage from a plane which shows two different groups of UFOs. One is a group of four UFOs in the distance, looking like spheres with wings, and closer is a group of three strange lights in a triangular formation, both seen in broad daylight. The passengers will be glad that they can see these UFOs from the plane in the distance. Unlike an instant on the 26th of September, when one of these strange, fast, round silver spheres that had been seen more and more just missed a plane taking off in Belgium and caught on camera and posted by Belgica. September saw the delayed publishing of the Calvines photo dubbed the greatest UFO photo of all time when they were taken. On August the 4th, 1990, two hikers were out in the highlands, 35 miles northwest of Perth in Calvine. They saw a strange object in the sky and took a photo. The UFO is like a large diamond taken on its side and what seems to be a Harrier jump jet flying nearby, which demonstrates the colossal size of the thing. The hikers submitted the photos to the Scottish Daily Record, who in turn submitted them to the Ministry of Defence, and there they stayed, apart from one kept in an envelope and discovered by investigative journalist Craig Lindsay in Hallam University. The UK questioned the USA as to whether this was an experimental aircraft, but the MOD have confirmed that all details regarding this case will be kept secret to the public until 2072. Less convincing was an article posted stating ancient aliens could live in the six-mile-long subterranean cave system discovered in Vietnam and the author's reason for this is because he argues very strongly that he thinks 
They could be. That's it. If I knew 14 journalism was that easy, I could come up with all sorts of wacko ideas and then charge advertising on a site. The same site also posted a blog about how the Apollo missions to the moon captured video evidence that is absolute and without any doubt a UFO on the moon's surface. Which also could just be a rock that there's a few of them on the moon. UFO sightingsfootage.uk posted a really impressive video of some UFOs in storm clouds in Mexico, one of which is without doubt a triangle. These black triangles are seen that often that they've got to be some sort of military spy plane, right? In fact, one was filmed at the end of August in Fox Lake, Illinois, USA, reported by Bro Bible alongside video footage. In the 1970s, Hydite and Brezenite were created in a USA laboratory. But since then, both minerals have been found in fragments of meteorites. A group of Venezuelan scientists have claimed that this is because aliens have been leaving their spacecraft to rot in space because they feel it has to have been manufactured in an industrial process. Previously on this show, we have covered some of the concerns in regards to sending out signals into space in the hopes that we can communicate with alien life in that aliens could be, how can I put it, like Putin... Which is worth saying, because if I mention him or Ukraine, I suddenly get downloads from Russia, which helps my stats. Hi Vlad, thanks for listening. Leave Ukraine. Anyway, a paper published by Space Policy Journal has highlighted the risk of the geopolitical fallout of alien contact. The potential fear that one nation making contact and then having sole access to advanced technology and military capability could be perceived as a threat by other nations to spark a war. The other massive issue from my point of view is looking at the global community of world leaders and politicians. Is that any alien that does make contact with any country will probably meet and utter and want to either fly away immediately or destroy us. If you're in Europe and you do want to see a UFO, then England is the place to be, according to a report by Wales Online. They report that England has an average of 2,678 sightings per year, and the next highest sightings, with 2,436 less sightings, is Scotland, with 242 sightings per year, and Ireland in third with 209. I wonder what it is about the British Isles that seems to attract them the most, or are the people there just more likely to report them? The list then reads, in order, Germany, Netherlands, Wales, Spain... France, Portugal and Greece. Of all these sightings, the most common are strange light UFOs, apart from Spain, whom I like to see circles, and France, who sees the triangle the most. In England, London has the most sightings, with Yorkshire second after that. Another explanation as to why Britain and Ireland have the most UFO sightings is, in other countries in Europe, people like to have a drink, but in Britain and Ireland, people like to get absolutely faced. Astronomer Avi Loeb astounded the academic community last year, stating Al Muamua could be a light-sail alien spacecraft, leading to much ridicule. That is, until they actually sat and listened to his explanation as to why you believe that, and then you couldn't discount his hypothesis. He was in the news again in September, as he is leading an expedition into searching for CNEOS, 2014-0108, 
which is such a crap name that Elon Musk will probably name in his children it in 2023. It's actually a two-foot-long meteorite which crashed into the Pacific Ocean in 2014 at 100,000 miles per hour, 170,000 kilometres per hour, and is known for being the first known human-observed interstellar object of its size to crash here on Earth. Loeb has again stirred the pot of controversy, as he refused to discount it having some extraterrestrial technology present. He gave a detailed account as to why, but let me try and sum it up here. Firstly, it was travelling much faster than other objects of its size, as it was moving faster than 60 kilometres per second outside our solar system, faster than 95% of all stars in the vicinity of the Sun. And also, it had the material strength tougher than all other 272 objects in the catalogues kept by NASA, presumably even tougher than Chuck Norris. The Harvard scientist isn't without his critics, of course, many of which state that the alien idea is ridiculous as their only argument. As ridiculous as they feel it is, Loeb has raised enough donations over a million dollars to complete this expedition. The Guardian reported that in crop circles, farmers lost £30,000 in income between 2018 and 2022 as a result of 92 crop circles. The paper reports they've come under particular scrutiny with the global food cost crisis, with more than 40 football pitches worth of arable land being affected by crop circles in England since 2018. Farmers must be getting upset, particularly if it's a serial offence. Instagram account LETV captured footage of a mass UFO sighting in hotspot Santa Monica in California, USA. The night before the footage, local reports state that over two dozen people observed strange streaks in the sky, which is different to the strange streaks observed in my son's boxes in the washbasket. These streaks flew over Santa Monica Bay, hovered on the spot, reversed direction and disappeared towards the west. The following day, a packed Santa Monica witnessed a strange triangle made up of three green lights on each corner, floating above a group of people who seemed genuinely shocked and excited to be witnessing it on the video footage. Is this simply a drone having some fun or some sort of military plane? Or is it something else and linked to the previous night's streaks? Also in California this month, Show legend Scott C. Waring shared a video of a fleet of large orb UFOs flying in formation, too large and bright to be drones according to experts, which change in formation and seemingly disappear, which upon posting had other witnesses confirm the same sightings at the same time. Scott has no doubt that these are aliens, but there's been quite a few of these sightings this year, so are they new drones that only the military are currently using that we're yet to see on the market? San Diego Bay in California has also seen numerous sightings of UFOs and they were back in September with multiple eyewitnesses all posting on Twitter with video footage of the same strange lights. Mexican TV news stations reported that Juanito Juan has captured amazing photos of flying saucers in Tamaulipas in Mexico. However, the photos to my eye look like something fairly small being thrown and photographed from below. Also, if you look at human behaviour, you know when someone's desperate for you to believe a mistruth because they end up going into too much unnecessary detail. That was the case with Juan, 
when he was asked why he was photographing such a boring scene. However, go look at my Twitter feed where I've posted the pictures and give me your own judgement. The Eagle reported a man in Missouri who was travelling from Camdenton to Licking when he saw a UFO in the sky and decided to follow it. I've often been encouraged actually to go to downtown Licking. The man stated, I followed it for 30 minutes. If it was a moving, it appeared not to be. It was hard to tell if it was a disc or a cylinder. It may sound a little daft until you see there is something metallic hanging in the sky that looks like a cylinder. Interestingly, this was photographed above Fort Leonard Wood, a military base, so it's either surveying the military base or more likely is a strange military vehicle. It would be great if it is a military vehicle, as logic dictates that we should start to see this technology come onto the public travel market and maybe reduce the cost of travel and use less emissions. I guess the argument against that idea is that surely if it was our technology, then it would have already been exploited for profit on the market. Look how quick the jet engines appeared after the military designed them, and if sightings are correct, this technology has been around for decades, so you do think it would have trickled down to us using it by now. 71-year-old Scotsman, Reg Cannon, loves taking photos of the Oriel Borealis over the hills on the Moray Thurth coast. He caused quite a stir when he posted a photo of what seemed to be a disc flying with regular set lights across its rim. However, Reg calmed everyone down, explaining it was an air ambulance landing on long exposure. 100.9 The Eagle reported that a diamond-shaped white light UFO was spotted in Missouri. It travelled south, and then it was as if it spotted the witnesses, travelling back north and remaining stationary with the witnesses claiming that it was monitoring them for half an hour. From Moulton, which is 22 miles from my current location, 35-year-old Ben Walgate made both the Mirror and Daily Star after having an alien encounter as a child and spent his life seeking answers. The Mirror wrote, Ben had been on his way back from a camping trip as a Cub Scout at Snowball Plantation near York when the minibus had stopped off to allow everyone to stretch their legs. It was broad daylight and very hot. He ventured up a small embankment which brought him into a wooded area and saw a derelict outbuilding in the clearing. But suddenly, around 25 metres to his left, Ben said he saw a spindly green creature with a tiny head standing on two feet and well over six feet tall with oversized limbs. He described it as walking with a stoop as if struggling to stand or clumsily trying to keep a low profile. Ben told the mirror, the wooded area wasn't that dense, so we got a good look at this thing. It might have only been a few seconds, but we made eye contact. It had black eyes. This thing was out of the ordinary. It looked at me, and I looked at this thing. It was definitely not of this earth. It was such a weird vibe. Its head, in proportion to its body, was tiny. It's not like the stereotypical alien with grey skin and big black eyes. This thing was more lizard. I'm not saying it had scales. It wasn't snake-like. It was olive green from head to toe, a very sleek, slender-looking thing, dark black eyes, little tiny head, long, over-proportional-sized arms that came past the knees. It was just otherworldly. It shouldn't have been walking on two feet. This thing was walking right through the woods. Ben said his attitude was just so blasé and coming into contact with him, and he's always wondered how it knew he wouldn't simply run off and tell his friends and scout leaders. As it happened, he was convinced it was a prank and headed back to the bus, expecting his pals to be laughing at having fooled him. But no one said anything. 
Ben has since run his YouTube channel, The 101 Files, in the hopes of finding answers and found much more strange 14 occurrences over his years of filming. Uh, I've been in touch with Ben and he's agreed to uh, come on this show, so hopefully we'll set that up over Christmas and we'll do a little interview. Claire MacDonald graduated from the University of Iowa and thought she would give dating apps a go. She jumped unhinged and met a cute guy with blonde hair and piercing blue eyes. He said he had a private jet and flew around a lot. He messaged her on Snapchat and asked to meet that night. His location was one hour away, but Claire stated he turned up in just half an hour. When he did arrive, he only spoke about left-wing politics and economics. When she did try to engage him in just general chit-chat, to get to know him as a person, he became awkward and really struggled. She also said, when he spoke, his skin didn't move. Claire was down for the dirty though, and just said straight up, I have to go to work in the morning, are we going to do this or not? He started kissing her, but his tongue was moving rapidly in multiple directions, issuing her with a lot of saliva, which she described as an awkward situation. You may think the weirdest thing about this story is after all this, Claire still slept with him. They fell asleep, and at seven she woke and told him he had to get out as she needed to go to work and that he was weird. He said a friend dropped him off and he didn't think about how he would get back and he had no money for an Uber. Claire paid for an expensive Uber to take him into the town he was staying an hour away. But 20 minutes in, she got a notification saying the trip had ended. Confused, she called the driver, who reported that the man had gotten out in the middle of nowhere by a cornfield. She messaged the man, asking him why he got out, and he said his friend was picking him up, which he didn't need to do, as Claire had already paid for the full fare. She tried to explain this, but he just stopped responding. She then found out the next day that UFO had been seen in that exact spot. It gets weirder, as Claire explains that later that day, she couldn't remember anything about the evening before. She was asking herself, did I hang out with someone last night? She couldn't remember anything until later, when the whole thing came flooding back to her. I did worry when I read this, because that is common with Rehypnol. You, you kind of, the date rape drug, when, it, when you're given it, you kind of, it's, it's a true serum and it, you basically do whatever you're told. And the whole night you kind of forget what happened, but then it slowly starts coming back to you in, later in time. However, Claire claims that she didn't drink or take anything. She did admit that it was very well endowed, but rubbish in bed. When I first moved from a city to a small village in the middle of nowhere, they also spoke about sleeping with aliens, but it turns out they meant anyone just not in their own family. 14 UFOs were filmed from a ferry on open water. Large glowing orbs in the sky flying together in a non-recognised formation, reported by UFO sightings. The next story is some of the best footage I've seen in a long time. It was reported by KXAN, which was filmed in Texas. So if you want to see this video, go on YouTube and type in green lights spotted in sky near Spicewood. It shows a formation of five green lights in the sky when two break formation and dart forwards at incredible speed before slowing to a stop. My only explanation for this amazing footage is it's either CGI or some sort of incredible lasers, but definitely worth a look. A woman in Cottingham, East Yorkshire near Hull, felt warm 
so came out of her house for a breather and saw two oval lights hanging silently in the sky. She took a picture and then the lights disappeared. She asked the neighbours if they'd seen anything. They said they hadn't, but when they woke up, the patio was covered in soil. Of course, the two must be linked. They have advanced technology and travelled light years just to chuck soil on Sandra's patio. And that's it. That is all the UFO news for this month. is all the animal and cryptid news. A couple of hikers were walking along a logging road on Hatsik Lake near Mission in British Columbia when on a ridge in a distance in front of them they could see a creature walking on two legs and captured it on video. Although the creature is far away it does seem a lot bigger than the average human. It is dark grey-brown covered in hair and has large feet meaning many have identified this as a Sasquatch. The creature walks down into a dip and then vanishes. My question is this, myself and many others, if we saw that we'd be running towards it as fast as we could. Others, I imagine, would be doing the complete opposite. You wouldn't just stand on the spot. You would also shout or something to make it turn around and try and capture its face. So why does the footage like this always just suddenly stop? What happened next? Anyway, watch and decide for yourself. Even the Wall Street Journal chipped in this month in an article trying to give credibility to the ever-growing population of the scientific community who sense there is enough evidence that Bigfoot is a genuine phenomena, albeit slightly in the closet in coming out in their belief. Another multiple witness Bigfoot sighting was spotted in South Carolina after three siblings saw a creature at the side of the road. Bob Frady was leaving Hunting Island State Park with his brother and sister, reported WTAM News Radio, when they saw the creature walking 20 foot in front of the car when he slammed on the brakes. What they saw was a bipedal creature, around 5 to 6 foot tall, with dark brown splotchy black hair, which was around 2 inches long. The creature just then disappeared into thick undergrowth and then the family reported it to the ranger. The Daily Star published photos that had got Reddit very excited with images someone took while crossing a creek in southern Indiana, USA. The photo shows a man with a size 13 shoe stood next to what looked like footprints double in size and length to his and they reported they were in succession of four prints. However, sorry to sound like the sceptic party pooper again but unless Bigfoot is so heavy that she or he can crush stone when they walk and they were pretending to walk on a tightrope if they're in their formation, or doing ballet at the time. I would guess this is just centuries of erosion. Although originally uploaded in 2009, Phantoms and Monsters published a video with a walking tree. And it's bizarre. Some people have tried to give explanations, such as erosion or a sinkhole, but it moves in such a great distance, like along and behind a house. Watch the video. Maybe Triffids are real. The Daily Star reported an article which unfortunately I've been unable to verify with the original article, 
but they state that in Louisiana, Smithsonian scientists have discovered what they term as a mass grave with 12-foot humanoid skeletons. The skeletons were said to be laying in various positions and were covered from deposits that is typical of flooding from the Mississippi. The ancient skeletons have had Bigfoot obsessive determined to claim them, not helped by the false conspiracy that the Smithsonian destroyed Bigfoot skeletons in the past. Others claim that this is simply more of a Nephilim, ancient giants that were said to have walked the earth and have also featured heavily in Native American folklore local to that area. I believe this is a lost USA basketball team. I was once waiting for a flight in Seattle and I saw one getting off the plane. I'm nearly six foot three and they made me feel tiny. Clicks, spelt K-L-I-X, News Radio, shared a convincing video that I think is worth checking out from a report filed by a lady staying in the lodge by Strawberry Reservoir in Utah. It shows what is either a huge guy with massive muscle mass and an exceptionally expensive suit which clings to his body shape, or a Bigfoot walking through the trees. A missed opportunity though. Again, surely if you're in that close proximity for is likely the only time to happen in your life, you're going to try and get their attention or invite them for a cup of tea or anything. You've, you've got nothing to lose, have you? The Daily Star again reported that the owners of the Steamboat Hotel in North Umpqua, Oregon, have found what they think is possible Bigfoot poop. Travis is a keen outdoorman and claims to have a good knowledge of scat and says that it's like nothing he's seen before. He has a photo next to his size 13 boots and you know what they say about big feet, big scat. It's a large pile, grey, with hairs in it, meaning it's carnivorous and in individual segments. I never thought I'd be sat here describing poop on this show, if I'm honest. There has been scientific tests on suspected Bigfoot scat in the past, and they did find that two samples were from some unknown species. But that does not mean it's Bigfoot, but it also doesn't mean that it's not. My first thoughts on looking at it is it looks like a canine, as it's small little pieces, but in a large pile, which would suggest an animal or a group of animals using one area as a toilet. That's my theory. I did some cursory research on ape scat for comparison and what I found was that ape scat is a really strong cannabis strain. So I googled ape poop instead and found memes. Eventually, you see what I have to go through for you guys, I found what I suspected in that most ape poop is similar to ours. Well, like I said, this pile looks like canine poop. I do feel like I've already spent too long in researching this. But if you want to look for yourself, just Google Steamboat Hotel Bigfoot Scat and tweet me your thoughts. Just don't Google Abe Scat if you're at work. We all know that Prince Philip was an avid Fortean spending much of his life researching UFOs, but not so much the Queen. Turns out old Liz was a big Bigfoot believer. The pair went to Canada to meet trapper Albert Otsman, who stated he was captured by a family of Bigfoots while fishing in Venezuela and they are said to have believed Albert's count implicitly, according to the star. Albert, an experienced hunter, was planning on doing some hunting and fishing and was staying in a tent with his rod and rifle when he was kidnapped by four Bigfoot. Prince Philip apparently told the actor Brian Blessed this story. Coincidentally, Brian Blessed is often mistaken for a yeti himself. Philip said that there are Bigfoot and yeti all over the world, and they even emigrate across Mongolia. Now we know the real reason for the Great Wall of China. You heard it here first. 
In fact, the Queen made the Fortean news during a funeral, as one live broadcast was interrupted by a very strange, ethereal female voice on the broadcast that didn't belong to any of the presenters, which said, The death is irreversible, and the fact that she's trapped before seemingly being cut off. In fact, let me play you it here. is irreversible and the fact that she's true. As you can see... Weird, right? It was far more weird and convincing than Yuri Geller's prediction that we would all see a UFO during the Queen's funeral, which completely failed to materialise. He claimed that aliens would want to pay their respects too. I don't know if after years of remaining relatively inconspicuous, he thought they would do a Red Arrow-style flyover because they care so deeply about our monarchy. Also, while we're talking about the royal family, it was reported that in July, Logan Smith stated the Queen would die on September the 8th, which of course came true. And then he's also predicted that King Charles will die on March 28th, 2026. Another star article this month is the Bosberg Cripplefoot Bigfoot. The cast of Bigfoot tracks were captured in plaster in the 1960s, have been on display in the Museum of the University of California since 2008. What makes them odd is one of the feet is deformed. Dr Grover Krantz stated, Before I examined the prints, I would have given you ten to one odds that the whole thing was a hoax. But there is no way the evidence can be tied together so perfectly in a fake. More than 1,000 prints were found which ended at a creek, and the left foot shows deformity, likely being a lisfrantic joint injury. Phantoms and Monsters published some photos taken in 2016 by Lake Almanor near Chester, California that also looks like a Bigfoot but has six toes. Canadian Andrew Dawson was an average blogger, a man who cared for his appearance and wasn't really into anything Fortean. Then one day he filmed what he described as a giant in Alberta Dawson stood on a mountain. He assumed it was the mythical Yeti and he tried to get closer, but when he headed to the mountain, he stated that someone influential forbade him. Then the conspiracy theory started. Dawson noticed after the incident, he began to be followed by people with what he described as suspicious people parked repeatedly outside his house. After this, he posted a video saying the giant video was a hoax, but viewers watching stated he looked really nervous and kept looking to his side as if someone was there, forcing him to say what he was saying. After the confession video, he posted a video saying, I am scared, and another showing the same mountain with what looked like military on it. Not long after this, Dawson died. If you go on his obituary page in the local paper, it's full of people claiming he was killed for posting what he saw. Here's one example. I know exactly what happened to him. My brother is in the military, and he's told me many things, not just the American government, but the Canadian government are doing. There are things on the planet that if you all knew about, you would never want to go out ever again. Mark my word, I will expose all this stuff. Enough is enough. People are being killed just because they saw something. It's BS. Whatever happened, rest in peace, Andrew Dawson. The Singular Fortean Society received a report from Shana Clippert this month in relation to an incident in June. Shana was walking along Fort Kent Creek, a local canal, with her mother at 1am, and out of the corner of their eye, they saw a shadow 
and looked up to see a humanoid bat-like creature crawl out of the canal and go up on the embankment and fly off over the trees. She described it as looking like Marcus from the film Underworld. She said at first it crawled out and looked like a huge blob as it was haunched over. Then it flapped its wings and took off, although it wasn't really a fast flap like you would expect. She said its wingspan was around 12 foot and it made a screech like a raptor. She didn't see its face to see if its eyes were red as she mainly saw it facing away from them. This experience lasted two or three minutes, meaning Shayna and her mother were pretty certain of what they saw. But it didn't end there. The pair went to see a friend to ask if they could borrow a flashlight to look in the trees and try and see if they could spot the creature again, but sadly they didn't find it in the thick wooded area where it seemed to go. After calling quits, they went to the local gas station and outside a glowing light in the shape of a stingray, as in it was flat with slow moving wings but no tail, were slowly flapping wings which appeared to be 50 or 60 feet in the air. She said it was a physical thing, not reflected against anything clear in the sky. She stated it was skinny and around six foot in length and it moved left and right, staying at the same level, moved back into the same position, it started and then vanished. I know what you're thinking, was the bat creature in fact a raptor or a crane or a heron? But Shana said, due to its legs being thick and heavy set, it remained black even when in the light and it was just being too large in size. There have been other sightings by other people of other winged humanoids in this area. Was the stingray light a signal, and this is a real-life crap Batman? If we hear more stories like this, we'll keep you posted. The Daily Star reported that paranormal investigators Vic Harbord and Christine Townend stated they saw something inhuman in a Yorkshire churchyard. Here in Yorkshire, we just call that the congregation. The couple went to St Lawrence Church in Atwick near Hornsey after hearing it was haunted by a goblin which is known as a boggle around these parts. They took their equipment in and asked for communication to which they got a growl in response. The growl then started moving towards them followed by a banging in the area and Christine saw something translucent slithering in the long grass before sinking into the ground. They took a photo and saw a demon in the church window. I did that once, but it turned out to be my own reflection. Christine said, When you hear a growl, it's negative energy. It's inhuman. It's not very nice. Or Christine needed to have dinner before she went out and her tummy was letting her know. Anyway, it freaked the pair out that much. They went and got ordained. Although I imagine not in the same church. After a flurry of sightings in April, with three, 2022 has been pretty poor for Loch Ness Monster sightings with only two others added this year. However, another was added to the official record after a wake was spotted moving against the current with no visible cause for the wake. How an official sighting can be recorded as being nothing visible is in itself as big mystery as Nessie itself. A creature being nicknamed the Morpha Monster has been filmed on Morpha Beach in Gwynedd after the Clintworth family were filming their son running along in the sand. When they got home and looked at the footage, coming up out of the shallow water was what looks like a large black grey worm with a thinner tip that seems to wiggle as the child approaches. The family stated they didn't notice the creature which seemed to be coming up out of the sand at the time and furthermore, sea life experts who have studied the footage can't identify what the creature may be. 
Is the Morpher Monster a new cryptid? Nothing more exciting for a cryptozoologist or the Gwynitoris board than an ugly fat grey worm whose magical power is wiggle as a child runs towards it. Just imagine the exciting merchandise they can come up with that one. Definitely worth checking the footage out though. Staying in Wales, North Wales Live reported that a dog walker named George came face to face with the big black panther. The incident took place at 7pm on a Monday night. We were walking our dog through the overgrown country footpath between, I don't know how I'm going to say this, Yuzgul Tir Morfa and Brickfield Pond in Real. Sorry to all my Welsh listeners for making an absolute mess of your language. When I noticed a large animal in the distance coming towards us, I stopped to put my dog back on a lead as I assumed it was another person walking their dog. But I saw no owner and the figure went completely still when it noticed us. When it turned to its side, that's when I knew it wasn't a dog. It was jet black with pointed ears and moved very feline-like with long cat-like tail. It bolted off into the field at the end of the path and we didn't see it again. Nor did we see anyone in the field. Seeing that with my own eyes, I won't be walking down there again. Phantoms and monsters reported sightings of a glimmer man on a Seattle highway. A construction worker who had no previous experience of paranormal activity and states, as a Christian, he could not even believe in it, shared his experience. He was in the passenger seat of a truck with his boss looking out the window. They exited the road near an outcropping of trees when he saw what looked like a man in a predator-like suit. He screamed and asked his boss if he saw what he saw, but when he turned back, the glimmer man had vanished. I have heard stories of exactly the same thing in the book about Skinwalker Ranch. As well, if anyone's seen the missing 411, the hunted would have seen the photos captured and the reports of similar. What are these? There were talks of people on the ranch looking through infrared lenses and seeing these creatures, for want of a better word, crawling out of portals. Is this how they appear and disappear? What do you think they are? I'd love to hear your theories. NVTV shared a video of what is alleged to be a skinwalker or werewolf. It actually looks more like a bad CGI video of a wolf jumping like a frog, although it has some people convinced. In Chernobyl, scientists have seen fast natural selection occurring amongst St. Antonio eastern tree frogs, who in 10 generations have seen them go from light green to almost black. This is due to those frogs with more melanin in their skin were more likely to be protected from the radiation and last longer, meaning they are more likely to survive and pass on their darker skin genetics to the next generation the darkest of which were more likely to survive longer and so forth. This is great in terms of scientific research into both natural selection and radiation effects. However, it's rubbish for those who've been watching sci-fi for decades and expected the radiation of frogs to become humanoid, grow wings or at least have an extra head. We've spoken about Champ in Lake Champlain in Vermont before on the show. Champ has made the news again as America's answer to Nessie has shown up on a sonar after they captured a creature which was over 20 feet long. No one has yet come up with an idea that it's just Nessie on holiday. The search for Nessie and Champ continues. That is despite Hunter O'Fagan claiming to find Nessie on newly installed webcams. The first at the Klansman webcam in Loch Ness at 2013 on September 6th is of a water disturbance and a long dark shape 
which was recorded for four minutes and was the only darkened water visible on the recording of the lock at that time. He added the second was captured at 7.35 on September the 15th on the Shoreland Lodges webcam with footage that could literally be anything after I saw it. Deseret News posted an article about the Utah Lake Monster. Reports of this monster go back to the 1800s and describe a creature with wicked black eyes and the head of a dog. So a dog then? In 1864, one person claimed the creature was even chased to the shore. The Daily Herald reported, On a clear, calm day, Goshen Bishop William Price was travelling south on the road west of Utah Lake when he, C.G. Webb, and another man glimpsed the Utah Lake monster. The creature was about one mile from shore and travelling in the same direction as the men. The Daily Herald also reported fisherman Frank Grastite had seen the monster between Goshen and Mesida, corroborated by other locals with fresh sightings coming out during 2006, but no official sightings since then. After orangutans, goats are the greatest animals in the world. I made friends with one this summer who ran over to me and spent 10 minutes just being cuddled. As great as they are, they're really good at getting their head stuck in things. Toro the goat got his head stuck in the fence and could have easily broken his neck, according to owner Stephanie. However, Toro's mate Waffles, the donkey, noticed the predicament and so screamed incessantly so that at half past midnight, Stephanie was awakened and could come out and save Waffles, reported by Animal Rescue News. Dr Helen Roy from the UK Centre for Ecology has warned the UK is about to get an influx of cannibalistic, fungus-spreading ladybirds that are riddled with sexually transmitted infections. Don't worry though, these harlequin ladybirds are only a danger to other ladybirds and not humans, although that would have made the Walking Dead series a lot more interesting than it has been recently. ITV shared a footage of a woman down the road in Filey who were on holiday at the Blue Dolphin Holiday Park and they noticed a group of crocodiles swimming in the sea. An expert stated they watched the footage and said it's actually some submerged rocks as it's impossible to have crocodiles in such cold climate. However, that may be so, but it certainly isn't rocks as they seem to be floating on the surface. I reckon it's aliens wearing crocodile swimsuits. A scientific study found out that dogs can smell human stress. This just shows that my dogs must love that smell, as they loved creating my stress daily. Amanda Gomo's dog Belle must really love the smell of stress. The woman from Bristol decided to have a nap, and her chihuahua, like chihuahuas do, decided to curl up and join her. However, poor Belle found herself with a sudden bout of explosive diarrhoea right across Amanda's face and inside a wide-open, snoring mouth. Amanda said she couldn't get the taste out for hours. Belle was taken to the vet and given antibiotics for a violent stomach bug. The same bug then infected Amanda, who was taken to hospital with terrible stomach cramps, which then spread to her entire body. She was in hospital for three days with an infection that caused her kidneys to shrink to half their size. Both Amanda and Belle are both doing better now, with doctors saying it's the first time they've ever experienced an infection created in such a way. And the moral of the story is, never rim a dog. Can cats see ghosts? That was the huge essay published by The Discerning Cat, which was around six sides of A4 long. 
Very interesting article, but let me sum it up for you. Don't know. Very sad scenes on the coast of Tasmania after 230 pilot whales stranded themselves on the beach. Rescue teams descended on the scene and tried to take them back out to sea. However, some just immediately stranded themselves there again. And out of the 230, teams could only save the lives of 30 of the whales. The mystery is why. Scientists remain perplexed as to why they suddenly got themselves in this position. It wasn't even hot so they weren't sunbathing. One theory was there was an abundance of squid close to shore. You know how when you do something nice it normally blows up in your face? It's exactly what Maya Vance in New Zealand must be feeling when she took a Palomino horse, Panda, to visit the local dementia unit where they fed Panda carrots. Panda really likes carrots, so now... He repeatedly keeps escaping and making his own way to the unit. I did come up with a punchline about this, about d- the dementia unit, but I, um, I can't remember it. Not all animals are cute, though. The internet was upset after a group of chimpanzees played frisbee with a raccoon. The spinning raccoon actually managed to get up without any injuries, but must have been a bit dizzy. Who would have thought a raccoon was that aerodynamic in his spin? But I'm sure the toy companies are taking note. Poor raccoon. It should learn to make new friends. A little like in the garden of a woman in Essex becoming nicknamed the real-life Snow White, where video footage shows a cat, a fox and a group of deer seemingly hanging out and being friends with each other, posted by Viral Hog. Going back to chimps, new scientists reported that male chimps create their own individual signature rhythms to identify themselves, which they perform by banging on tree roots to reverberate through the jungle. The rhythms range from everything from jazz rhythms to hardcore punk, giving each chimp their own distinct personality and music taste. And I imagine on the other side, for every raccoon in the area to disappear before they get turned into a frisbee. Another report sent to Phantoms and Monsters come from a sighting on September the 11th of a pterodactyl-like creature in New Mexico in the Tula Rosa Basin of the Chihuahuan Desert. Two brothers were driving and saw the creature from only 100 foot away and stated that it was flying 50 feet off the ground and described it as it appeared to be 6 to 8 foot long, greyish in colour, with a long dark beak, approximately 1.5 foot long. Its wings were very long and tapered to a point. The tail was very strange as it appeared to be 2 to 3 feet long straight and smooth, and a couple of inches around. At the end of the tail was some kind of roundish tip about the size of a baseball. I couldn't discern any feathers. The animal appeared grey and smooth. The long beak was very pronounced and long. The entire body was about eight foot long with membrane wings that were long and tapered to a point. The wingspan was at least 12 feet. The entire body was greyish in colour. There was no hair, just smooth skin. There was also a long tail about the thickness and length of a baseball bat with a bulb-shaped formation at the end. They said at first they thought it was an oversized pelican but got close enough to discern detail. This isn't the first time we've covered the prehistoric creatures on this show. Are they still in existence or are they time slips? As we've heard reports from credible witnesses in the past who have looked up and seen a different world for a few seconds, as if transported to prehistoric times, seeing dinosaurs and completely different fauna on the landscape.
So I've got to tell you guys this, um, just before we get into the last bit, which is the the weird news. Um, a lot of you listening will probably go, oh yeah, whatever, you know. It's really convenient that I do a show like this and something's just happened. Also, it happened just as I stopped recording. But, you know, believe it or don't believe it, I'm telling you what happened from my point of view. As regular listeners to this show will know, we have kind of issues in this house. Um, I brought my son Charlie on. He's going to be 18 next month, can you believe that? Um, And just kind of interviewed him about seeing this little girl on the stairs all the time. Just as I'd finished recording then, I heard upstairs at the moment, what time is it? It's 2.55am. I'm just trying to record it to get it out. Charlie's still awake, playing video games, and I asked him if he heard it, but he's got his headphones on. I heard a little girl in a voice I don't recognise just go, Charlie? Like that. The only explanation is Aggie was talking in her sleep. I've been upstairs and checked Aggie. She's fast asleep. But it just wasn't her voice. It's really creepy. And um, it's it's been relatively quiet um, up until this week. So I was working the other day... um, at my desk, sat where I'm sat now, and I jumped out my skin because there was a massive bang about, how far is that? About seven, eight foot, just towards the uh, the living room. And I was like, what was that? The cat was absolutely terrified, ran, you know, from the, she was sat on the windowsill, ran all the way into the kitchen. And when I looked, um, Aggie's football boot was thrown in the middle of the floor, you know, from, well, that would be about 10 feet away from where where it was. So, yeah, whether it's just amping up again, but or also because I'm doing the show I'm talking about and thinking about and researching it, whether, you know, again, it's that conscious thing, who knows? But anyway that voice was very loud and sent shivers down my spine. And of course it was when I wasn't recording, as typical is. But anyway, it's, it's uh, three o'clock now, so I'm going to try and uh, and get... Well, it's two, 2.57, uh, if we're going to be pedantic. But I'm going to try and record this, 2.58. <laughs> going to try and record this and get it out and feel really tired tomorrow, but... I haven't got time to do it tomorrow night, and then that's another day. So let's just do it. Let's let's do, let's give you the weird news from September. Although you find it entertaining, listening to this show may be good for your mental health. Well, not specifically this show. That may just mean you've lost your sanity altogether. But a recently published study demonstrated that those people who watch, listen, and read horror are better equipped at facing life's challenges. The study published by the National Library of Medicine, views this as preparing stimulations in which the brain can prepare and role-play facing trauma or scary situations. One thing that probably isn't good for your mental health is a report by Lad Bible on Maddie Brooks, who created a TikTok page to discuss her peculiar swinging relationship, that when she isn't in the mood, she lets her husband visit her mum around twice a week and sometimes even lets her sister get in on the action. However, Maddie has now deleted her TikTok after the videos went viral, which is also what would happen to STIs in that family. Equally bizarre to most people's ears is Abu Abdullah, 
from Saudi Arabia. He married a wife at 20 and all was well. Had a child and he said he was happy. But as soon as cracks appeared in the relationship, he informed his wife he would take on another wife. And then that went well at first and then it didn't and then he did the same thing. In fact, he took on a total of 53 wives, which is both very stupid and very brave. Leading theoretical physicist Nikodem Poplowski stated, we could be living inside a black hole that exists in another universe and that black holes we detect could in turn be the seeds of new universes. So that means we could be in a tiny black hole that has some giant above us observers from another dimension and equally we could be a giant to some other universes i hope this is true just to mess with them i would throw a jelly baby through the hole just so that earth in another dimension has to work out why a jelly baby the size of their italy is floating through the universe mahant radhepuri yuna akara is an indian sadhu a hindu holy person He wanted to make a deity notice him, according to Oddity Central. So like a child in school, desperate to answer the teacher's question, Mahant raised his right arm and left it there for 14 years. It's now locked in the position and he no longer feels it after the first two years of extreme pain. He intends to leave it there for the rest of his life. Imagine dying and meeting the deity and the deity just saying, I wanted you to dedicate your life doing something useful, like help changing attitudes to the Indian caste system or helping eradicate poverty. And instead, you look like you had a burning question and no one chose to ask you it. People think the Hellfire Club was a fictional club invented by Netflix Stranger Things. However, as Fodor's Travel reported, it was in fact a real English club for the elites to let off some steam. In the 18th century, the powerful landowner of West Wickham in Buckinghamshire was Francis Dashwood, who became the Home Secretary. The aristocrat enjoyed his influence and wealth and spent his younger years touring Europe and being known for as a bit of a libertine, with strong anti-religious sentiments. He set up the social club for society's elite called the Society of Dilettante in 1732 as a fine art appreciation society. But as is often the case with the aristocracy, it soon turned into debauched orgies. First, this orgy spin-off group was called the Order of the Knights of St. Francis and was limited to 12 members as a mocking reference to Christianity. Dashwood then changed the name to the Medenham Friars and based it in Medenham Abbey ruins where they adorned the chapel walls with erotic images and dress in mock religious clothing and take women they wanted in the monk cells. In 1752, Dashwood ordered the excavation of caves, and the Hellfire Club moved in there with the motto, Do what thou wilt. Although no longer meeting in the caves, with one particular orgy area directly underneath the altar of the church above, the Hellfire Club is rumoured to still meet with the English upper crust. I am awaiting my invite. A woman went viral on TikTok after walking into a bathroom one morning to find that her walls were bleeding. The next day, there was even more blood-like liquid coming from the walls. She called in a plumber, tested for mould, and looked in a cabinet but could find no answer. After many watchers thinking a demon had taken to haunt in her bathroom, because nothing a demon loves more than watching people poo, it turns out the bleeding was caused by rust. 
Not quite as exciting as demons, but equally as annoying. At 6am on the 5th of September in Nasarora State in Nigeria, Godwin Ugila Amadu was pronounced dead and his children prepared his funeral. He then scared the gathering crowd by getting up out of his casket very much alive, reported the nation. Godwin said one minute he was writhing in pain and the next minute he felt he was somewhere else. He said the cloud opened up and he saw a golden satellite suspended in space and a 75-foot angel greeted him. He had a beautiful sword, I bet he did if he was 75 foot, and wore an outfit made of golden hair. He said there were two other angels stood behind him with pamphlets holding the word of God. Pamphlets? You would at least think it was a scroll or a mystical book or something, not a pamphlet made on heaven's dodgy photocopier. They had a chat and they let him in. And he met an old friend who passed away a couple of decades before who was asking how everyone was. He said he was about 450 yards from what looked like the throne of God. And he said, I was captivated by the sign on the outside that read, Unaccounted blessings and mercy of God. He said, Heaven is full of tall angels and there is no darkness anywhere, which means it would be a bit of a struggle for me to sleep. Since returning from the dead, he's quit being a doctor and now preaches the word of God hopefully not through a pamphlet. The Sunday Express reported that during the second wave of COVID, poor Vimlesh Sonkar, an income tax officer from Ahmedabad, was admitted to hospital on the 19th of April 2021 and passed away three days later relating to COVID. The body and death certificate was handed to the family to perform last rites on, but the family refused to accept the young man had passed away, after they did one last check with an oximeter on his fingers and claimed to find a pulse and oxygen in the bloodstream. They cancelled his funeral and looked after him as if he was in a coma. The family would bathe the body three times a day with disinfectant and tenderly care for him, and whenever his work rang they would say he's still ill. It was only after a year when his workplace sent out colleagues to investigate that they discovered the mummified body where once again he was declared dead and this time got a funeral. To be fair to the family, anyone who has actually met a tax officer could easily get them mixed up with a corpse. Also, in Death and Reawakenings, September saw the publishing of a story by a Reddit user, Constant Sufficient 966 and I'll read her account here. Two weeks ago, I was about to get ready for a party at six. Just before I started getting ready, One of my friends messaged me, super excited, because a boy she's had a crush on for the last four years finally asked her out, and he was coming with her to the party. While I was texting her back, my younger brother walked into my room and asked if I could drive him to his friend's house, which I agreed to do. Then I went to the bathroom to have a shower and do my makeup. So, I got in the shower, but when I went to wash my hair, I realised that my conditioner was finished. I was pretty ticked off because I'd only bought it a couple of days beforehand, and it's an expensive brand. My younger sister always uses up my things, so I knew she'd used it all. She'd also trashed the bathroom, leaving water everywhere and a dirty towel on the floor. I was peed off, and I was about to get out of the shower in order to tell her off and get some more conditioner. But as I went to get out, I realised at the last second that she kicked the gripping mat we have at the bottom of our shower tub up. A shower tub is super slippery without the grip mat. 
So as I went to step out, my foot slipped and I fell with my neck down on the edge of my tub. Time seemed to slow down in my head and I I remember my last thought was, wow, this is how I die. How stupid. But here's the thing at the moment of impact. I woke up in a start back in my bed. I know it sounds stupid and cheesy, like something from a dumb Netflix show, but there's literally no other way to describe what happened. I was lying in bed right before I got up to shower the first time, but I don't remember falling asleep. And the thing is, I've been a lucid dreamer for the last five years or so, and if this was a dream, it was way more vivid than anything I've experienced. What weirded me out, though, was the exact same friend who texted me the first time messaged me after I woke up to tell me that the boy she had a crush on had asked another girl out and she was pretty bummed about it and didn't want to come to the party. I was weirded out as there was some similarity between that and the dream. But I didn't think much of it at first. As I went to reply, my younger brother came in to ask if I would take him to his friend's house. All the blood drained from my face. He just stood in the doorway looking confused and asked me what was wrong. I rushed into the bathroom, feeling like I was losing my bleeping mind, and went to check the conditioner bottle. I know this sounds completely crazy, but the bottle was finished just like before, and the grip map, grip map was kicked up. At that point, I went to lie back down in bed and texted my friends to tell them I wouldn't be going to the party. A man sold a cursed painting on eBay after stating it ruined his life. The painting of two dolls looks innocent enough. Maybe it would hang in a children's room, apart from the fact it's said to be pure evil. The seller was in a flea market and saw the painting and not believing in the curse and seeing it as a curiosity, thought it'd be funny to buy. He said, The woman at the flea market warned me before buying this and I'm warning you, nothing good can come from this painting. At the time, I didn't attach much importance to it and just assumed that she was one of those eccentric dealers selling their goods on the cheap, Dan wrote in the company products description. As for the painting, it looked adorable. It featured two innocent-looking dolls, but she was right. Don't be fooled. I don't know whose damned blood was mixed with the paint to create this piece, but its power is great. He said as soon as he bought it, he started on an epic losing streak. He said first of all he had acute insomnia, not being able to sleep, and then his house became infested by cockroaches. Next, and worst of all the unimaginable happened, his hamster died. After this, he started to develop excruciating anxiety and loneliness, and other illnesses started piling on top of that. I have to take a sceptical view of this. If you buy a painting, and even have a subconscious belief that it is cursed, and then a couple of things happen coincidentally, but you view through the lens of being cursed then you could develop anxiety and lose sleep, which will then drop your immune system, allowing other illnesses to pile on top. And the more that you believe it's a curse, the more anxious you will feel, and thus the cycle will continue. You will feel more tired, make more accidents, more mistakes, and continue to view this as through the lens of being cursed. And down and down the spiral you go, until you get rid of the painting, believe that you're not cursed anymore, and suddenly things start looking up, you view things through a different lens, you're sleeping better, you're making less mistakes, you're having less accidents. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but I did once have a night with a very haunted painting, or known as a haunted painting, called The Anguished Man. 
go and Google it and look it up. And I will um, have to do a show on that one night. One story that made the news was quite disturbing. So I'm not going to give you the details of what occurred, but just the headline. And if you want to look further into it, you can. The headline was, Man claiming to be Jesus arrested after he saws off his own leg in front of his daughter. Open Culture posted an article about hyperpolyglots, such as Vaughan Smith, who can speak 32 different languages fluently. Smith also knows different alphabets and his accents in the languages are said to blow people's minds they're that accurate. So what does this genius do for a living? Vaughan has been a painter, a bouncer, a punk rock roadie and a kombucha delivery man. However, brain scans show parts of this brain that Smith uses to learn language are smaller in that area and more efficient with other people needing to take up more space and energy in certain parts of the brain. When reading this, it did make me wonder about autism and people that are savant, so their brain structures are slightly different, and certain parts of the brain could be acutely more efficient, using less energy and more, um, making them more gifted, while other parts of the brain are impaired, making such as social communication more difficult. A man claiming to be a time traveller, or what some people refer to as a village idiot, have made some predictions for 2023. Here are the five dates that he's remembered. On October the 3rd, 2023, a group of five teenagers discover a T-Rex egg and a device to other universes. October the 30th, 2023, a very large UFO will land near Area 51, containing an alien species. Because of course, when an alien ship chooses to land anywhere in the world, it could choose Disneyland or a beautiful beach on the Seychelles, they would choose an area known for high security who holds UFOs and performs scientific experiments on aliens. On November the 20th, 2023, dragons are discovered in the high mountains of Mexico. The Welsh will be disappointed. On December the 10th, 2023, Biden is removed from office due to health issues and Kamala Harris assumes the position. The last input is January the 1st, 2024. Illinois passes the first law that will lead to the global purge. What the global purge means is anyone's guess, but let's hope it involves the dragon and the T-Rex. It's not meant to be good for your health to hold a grudge. Equally, it's not meant to be healthy to hold in your bladder. One man has only learnt the latter. 43-year-old Michael Murphy visited his mother's grave in the Tappan Reform Church in Orangetown, New York. But he kept noticing a strong smell of urine and the odd bag of poo hanging around. Wanting to solve this mystery, he sought permission from the church to hide some cameras. What he found was an old man visited the grave almost daily around 6am and began relieving himself. It turned out to be the ex-husband of Michael's mother, who she divorced from 48 years earlier and whom she had no contact with since 1976. They were briefly married, but she became pregnant and he didn't want to commit to a child, so, so she left him. Now he wants to give great commitment in peeing on a grave. Initially, I just thought this guy needs to move on, but he has. He has a new wife who often joins him on these 6am jaunts. Michael has tried to have the man prosecuted, but the police say that no laws are being broken, which frankly takes the pee. For the rest of us, it's life goals. To find that one person that loves you that much, they will hold a grudge 
just to get up at 5.30am every morning to pee on your grave 50 years later. When he was 28, Scott Drummond dislocated his thumb skiing and had to have a routine operation to fit it back in place, reported Unilad. One of the nurses made a mistake with his tourniquet during the start of the operation and ran from the room screaming, I killed him! And the next thing Scott knew, he was floating above his body, looking down at the operating table. He said he felt a present next to him, which he thought was God. This faceless presence, who he could only sense but never see, told him to not look back and took him to a field of the most beautiful, vivid flowers of the most vibrant colours and trees with long trunks. The presence left him there and he felt intensely at peace. However, after a short time, a hand reached out and told him it's not time yet and that he had more things that he had to do and so back into his body he flew, knowing he had to do better with his life. I was a bit disappointed to be honest. I mean, as far as heavens go it's okay but once you've picked some flowers, climbed a tree and had a nap, what do you do? And actually... Is this a level of hell for someone with hay fever? We will never know. Unless we have hay fever and go to hell. This one's going to test me. Art News reported, there's an archaeological site called Sangshindui from the ancient Bronze Age kingdom of Shu in what is now known as the Sichuan region of China has uncovered a three-foot statue of a strange bronze creature. The giant animal, which looks very much like a Chinese lion crossed with a unicorn, has a sacred tree on its chest and a horn on its head and is seemingly a type of priest on top of it trying to control it. Could this creature be the entity in which all the sacrifices were dedicated to in the sacrificial pits on the same site? Either way, there's a brilliant potential new range for My Little Pony collectors. CNN reported a house less than an hour from myself in Ellaby, North Yorkshire, was renovating their kitchen when they found an earthenware pot buried beneath the floorboards. Inside was 260 gold coins from 1610 to 1727, which is going for auction and expected to sell £250,000. I bet they didn't budget for that while saving for renovations. Joseph and Sarah Fernley Maester lived at that home in that period, who were merchants, but whose family line died with them, which is likely why the coins were not ever recovered. Pickled Fetus sounds like the name of a terrible gore grind band, but was actually the findings of Warsaw University who opened up a 2,000-year-old Egyptian mummy and found that she was also a mummy mummy. The mummifying process meant that the womb became hermetically sealed and that the blood and uterus became acidic enough to prevent bacteria and oxygen to form, effectively pickling the fetus. Now I love going to the fish and chip shop and getting a pickled egg or a pickled onion. And I did start to think, would I like 2,000-year-old womb-pickled fetus? I mean, let's be honest, it was a vintage year. This is the first known pregnant Egyptian mummy and has left an interesting question as to why all her organs were removed apart from the womb. Did they know she was pregnant and thought they needed to mummify the fetus as well? Scientists at Cambridge University have created an embryo from mouse stem cells that contain a brain and a beating heart. Imagine if this was actually how the Antichrist is created. A 19-year-old girl from Maneros in Portugal has given birth to a pair of twins. Nothing unusual about that, I hear you say. Well, that was until the dad asked for a DNA test and it came back positive, but only for one of the twins. 
It turns out mum had got lucky twice in the same day with two different men in a case of heteroparental superfecundation, which is so rare it's only been recorded 20 times ever in the world. Thank God it was in Portugal and not the UK in the noughties. Jeremy Kyle would have had a field day. For the listeners in the rest of the world wondering about that cultural reference, it's actually, you, you don't want to know. Professor Darius Polinski from Nicholas Copernicus University has been leading an archaeological dig on a site in a village called Pien in southeast Poland where they found the remains of a high-status medieval woman. She was buried with a padlock on her toe and a sickle pressed tight against her neck so that if she rose from the dead, she would decapitate herself. Obviously, for some reason, they genuinely believed her to be a potential vampire. They didn't want her to rise up from the dead and suck the blood out of the community, which is how we all feel about both the current government and their opposition at the moment. Reebok received bizarre criticism from Christian conspiracists after bringing out a new trainer that was inspired by Japanese tabby shoes, claiming that they're satanic, with Prophecy News stating they are inspired actually by Baphomet goat feet. More worryingly is they look like an actual offence to fashion. It was very sad news when the Plowin in Oxfordshire posted that they'd buried their cat Biff after someone brought him in when he was hit by a car. They buried him near the river at the front and held a little ceremony to say their goodbyes. Not long after this, Biff returned home, with the end realising they had in fact buried another cat. Either that, or Biff now has eight lives. Gaza University conducted a study after it was found there'd been a spike in young women reaching puberty strangely early during the pandemic. At first they thought it was due to Covid itself, but then they found links between an increase in the absorption of blue light, meaning scrolling through TikTok too much can trigger the body into growing up and producing the hormones quicker, kickstarting puberty early. So, to all your parents out there, I've got some advice. Get them off their phones and get them to listen to podcasts. I mean, this one's really good, you know. Coast to Coast reported that Philip Ongyuzhong was with his wife in Singapore and were amazed to see the Buddhist deity Guan Yin Ma in the sky and started taking pictures. A delivery man passed by and asked them what they were taking photos of, but he couldn't see what they saw and assumed it was a scam and started taking pictures of the couple taking pictures instead. Having been obviously deeply devout followers of Guan Yin Ma, the Buddhist deity of compassion and mercy, the man attacked the delivery guy and threw him into a stone bench. If that is what followers of the deity of compassion and mercy do, Thank God the delivery driver didn't follow the deity of love and forgiveness. That's all I'm saying. Staying in Asia, a 51-year-old man from Osaka in Japan has been dubbed Raincoat Man. This isn't because he has a crap superpower, but due to him stealing more than 360 women's raincoats over a period of 13 years. Yoshido Yoda would check parked bicycles for raincoats or even follow women riding bicycles home who were wearing them to take his opportunity and swipe them. When they asked him why he stole them, he explained that he got excited seeing women in raincoats just as much as other men did seeing them in their underwear. Obviously missing the point that most men who like women in lingerie don't normally go about then stealing it. So not really an explanation at all. 
Passengers on an American airline flight were treated to what one passenger claimed was a sound that was a cross between a man orgasming and vomiting after someone managed to hack into the intercom and repeatedly made annoying noises, much to the passenger's disgust or hilarity depending on their humour disposition. Many people taking antidepressant medication are hoping for a change. However, Tyler Monk got a bigger change than he expected. Tyler works as a pest control field inspector in Louisiana and wanted to treat his depression and anxiety, and so he was prescribed fluoxetine and Prozac. After a couple of months, his skin went completely brown, which has been described as a medical mystery. Poor Tyler. As if it wasn't bad enough having depression and anxiety, the poor guy now has to watch out for being killed by the police when he goes outside as well. The Shandong Business Daily reported the story of a lady called Zhang, whose parents abandoned her when she was two years old. 28 years later, after they hadn't made any contact with her, they found out she had a fair bit of money, and so they did. Understandably, Zhang wasn't interested, so her parents sued her to ensure that she takes care of them financially and her parents won the case. Equally shocking to a Western audience was the company China Aviation Lithium Battery Technology Co., who placed cameras in the toilet booths to monitor their users to make sure they weren't using their smartphones or taking too long in the bathroom. Images were then shared on Chinese social media, which at least raised public questions as to the rights of workers and their privacy. It also gives an indication of Chinese cultural differences, as had they been placed in British loos, all the viewers would see is Dave was here scrolled across the lens. Back to a story I mentioned earlier. Is the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail under Sinai Park House, a manor house near Burton? Respected historian David Atkins believe it is under there. He believes the Knights Templar built the house on a cavern of tunnels and chambers and believe there are treasures hidden underneath, with some geologists stating there are caverns as big as Westminster Abbey down there. The article claims researchers did try and access a hidden tunnel under the house in the 1800s, but were forced back due to fumes, so they had to brick up the archway there. Sadly, the article ends there and gives no mention as to whether they are going to try and make access, but if they do, I'll keep you posted. The Mexican government are spending $8 billion on a railway project, but keep having to delay it further. This month is reported construction ceased as they found archaeological remains of a Mayan city with at least 300 buildings, reported Artnet. The project has seen protests from archaeologists and environmentalists for both tearing up the jungle and sacred sites. The Mexican government says they have found over 25,000 immovable archaeological sites and objects. In fact, protesters themselves have had their own discoveries by going along the route like the newly discovered El Scondrillo cave. Another archaeological discovery occurred from unexpected reasons due to global warming and a drought in the Spanish province of Cacaras, reported Reuters. The Val de Canas Reservoir has dropped its water levels nearly 30%, revealing a stone circle from 5000 BC, which they're calling the Spanish Stonehenge, allowing archaeologists a rare short period of time to study the circle. The Independent reported that in December 2020, Maxwell Bacon married Pauline Fried, but they didn't hate themselves enough to give themselves a double-barrelled surname of Fried Bacon. 
They didn't hold the same reservations for the child, though, who they named Theodore Smoky Bacon after their favourite flavour of crisps. My favourite crisps are potato chips uh, to our American friends, a Tim's Cascade Jalapeno, uh, but you can only get them in the States. It's gutting. I love them so much. We have covered Baba Vanga on the show before. The mystic who grew up on a farm in Macedonia claimed she was blinded after she was sucked up by a tornado and she was in so much pain she couldn't open her eyes again. She then became famous as a soothsayer with people literally queuing at her home to have their futures told. So much was her ability, legendary, that the government even took her on their payroll. Although she didn't write anything down, there are prophecies that are attributed to her after her death. How they worked that out, I don't know. But here goes. In 2023, the Earth's orbit will change. If this does happen, even a tiny shift in balance, it could produce acute weather conditions from engulfing the planet in subarctic conditions where no one can survive or be so hot that the oceans will literally boil. So that's nice and I hope she's got that wrong. She said there will be a solar flare, strong solar blasts that can totally wipe out the national grid and all power supplies in seconds, which is nice. She also predicted that a nuclear power plant could explode, which does have potential due to Ukraine, which again is nice. She's a jolly old soul, wasn't she, that Baba Vanga? And finally, just in case you're really scared and want to lay some truth in Vanga's predictions, her final one is that with the plummeting birth rates, in 2023, we will instead be grown in labs and leaders will decide on how they will look and their traits. The issue is, most leaders like Trump, Johnson, Putin, Kim Jong-un et al. are all narcissists and would have people looking exactly like them which incidentally would result even lower natural birth rates as no one would want to have sex anymore. September saw the IG Nobel Prize ceremony take place, reported by CNN. Some of the notable winners were a study from the University of Sao Paulo, Brazil, into whether constipation affects the mating processes of scorpions. Leiden University looked into how blind dates who were attracted to each other started to synchronise their heartbeats, while the journal Cognition published a study into why legal documents are unnecessarily difficult to understand. The Ig Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to a joint study published by the Royal Society which created algorithms where gossipers decide when to tell the truth and when to lie. Thus, shining a light on the critical role of gossip in maintaining world peace. The Physics Prize was awarded for not one, but two pieces of research trying to understand how ducklings managed to swim in formation, while Italy scored in economics for using math to explain why success often goes to the luckiest people, not the most talented. There is a new religious cult in the USA, according to The Guardian, that is leading to a breakout of killings. The University of Cosmic Intelligence has a leader who is awaiting trial on child abuse cases in Georgia. You know it's not going to end well, don't you? It had another disciple charged earlier this year for killing his mother with a sword, and in September two followers lured two tourists into the woods, killing one of them. Both were charged with murder, kidnapping and robbery. Perkins was also charged with child endangerment. However, according to the article, there is no evidence that the organisation ordered or was aware of the alleged acts of its adherents, or that its teachings condoned violence. But considering that the followers are potentially now filling up jails, the cosmic intelligence doesn't seem 
very intelligent. The Guardian reports that the group's leader, a Rashed Jamal White, commonly known as Rashed Jamal, is an Atlanta-area social media influencer, rapper and guru whose teachings mix, mix New Age mysticism, polygamy and Afrocentric and black nationalist ideas. Jamal and his followers believe they are demigods descended from aliens. Adherents refer to themselves as gods and goddesses. They also seem like the disciples of David Icke, believing in lizard people and conspiracies, and they also sell crystals online to their 129,000 followers on YouTube. The guy that killed his mum spent three to $5,000 on crystals alone. I'm in the wrong business. Instead of doing a podcast that costs me money, maybe I should set up a religious cult, the glory of the black-eyed kids, and sell contact lenses or something. A woman in Grange was left mystified after a poster was placed around her village, alerting other villagers that her beloved python was missing, and that if you had any information regarding it leading to its rescue, you would get an award. Her number was at the bottom, leading to lots of disgruntled residents calling in a panic wondering if their cats, or indeed babies, were going to get eaten. However, the mail reported that the lady neither lost her python nor had one in the first place, leading to the conclusion there was some sort of elaborate hoax. Ranjita Kunda in India didn't have a heart stolen when her husband abandoned his family and ran off with another woman. No, it was far worse. She's suing her ex after having kidney pains, getting a scan and finding out one of her kidneys was missing. She found out that her ex-husband arranged for her, when under anaesthetic, to have one of her kidneys removed and placed on the black market without her consent, reported Kalinga TV. Those of you listening like myself and all my kids who are neurodiverse will know all about SPD, sensory processing disorder. It means that you can either be hypersensitive or hypnosensitive, meaning that certain senses are really strong or really not strong. It can make life difficult, but it can also be a superpower. For me... A sense of smell is strong, and it is also important when meeting a partner. If I don't get on with their smell, it just isn't happening. This was the same for Joy Milne, reported NPR, who met her husband Les Milne, and due to a hyper sense of smell, adored sniffing his lovely male musky smell. They enjoyed many happy years together, but when he was in his 30s, he developed a, in her words, nasty overpowering yeasty smell. He also started changing in personality, becoming moody, irritable and even aggressive. It took until he was 45 to be diagnosed with Parkinson's and the couple started going to a support group. It was there that Joy realised she could smell the same smell on everyone else in the room. She then started working with the University of Edinburgh and through experiments found that she was 95% accurate in detecting the disease, which currently has no specific test to find the condition. Early detection can mean many more years of happier and better quality of life. Joy is now dedicating her life to trying to help others and is proof that there are some superheroes with superpowers but don't always look like the ones in the comics. And finally, I'll leave you with this story. The science journal Matter shared a study that scientists have created a more effective alternative battery by using crabs.
that's it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I do this for you. Um, so if you've got this far, well done. And and to all those people that complain that we haven't got a show out because they use it to go to sleep, I hope you've managed to have a good night <laughs> with that one. Um, sorry, the quality is not as good. I'm absolutely exhausted. But, th- you know, just thank you for listening. And like I say, if you've enjoyed it, please just, you know, tell your cat, tell your grandma, tell your best mate, your kid, ev- anyone. Tell them, get it shared, share it on social media. Um, I'd be really appreciate it. And uh, we, yeah, as a special treat, oh, before I, before I go into that, um, I'm going to do like a, an after show party after show again. So anyone has any questions, stories, um, anything they want to say, anything they want to ask, um, please send it to 40 Podcast at gmail.com or go on Twitter. They're probably the two places where you can reach me at the moment due to the other things I'm being locked out of. So yeah, get in touch and um, we're going to yeah do something a little bit more casual for for Christmas and then I'm going to try and get December's news out to you. Take care everyone. Much love. It's a real difficult time and and again that's another reason why I was really working overtime in my own time to get the show out to you just because I wanted people to have something in this right bit of a rubbish dark time isn't it? Um, And adding to that this is amazing. I'm going to let you play out with a song from the Weaver Birds from their forthcoming album, World Exclusive. So this track was chosen specifically because it does have a little Fortean twist to it. Um, and it's about Candy's grandmother. So they basically have researched their ancestors and created an album telling their stories. So this song is about Alice, Alice Cooper, who lived, uh, not that one, who lived from 1914 to 2003. She lived in Scarborough, North Yorkshire. She's Candy's great aunt. Um, Alice was a spiritualist and she entertained family and friends with palm and tea leaf readings. She also had a crystal ball, which used to tell fortunes in the community. So this song recalls regular visits to Alice's home undertaken by Candy's mother, Maureen, and her five siblings. And she remembers a warm, charitable and caring woman who was a source of support to her mother, Isabella, during times of hardship. She sounds amazing. So this song's about her and it's by the Weaver Birds. As I say, this is a world exclusive teaser track, Alice and the Crystal Ball, and it's taken from the forthcoming Weaver Birds album, Short Stories, due to be released on the 17th of December, 2022. Um, Short Stories spins the tales of family history, each song telling the story of a distant relative of Weaver Birds, Candy Godbold and Adam Gardner. And if you really like this, then you can follow Squidge Records on Bandcamp. I'll put up the link and just follow Squidge Records on Twitter, Instagram and all those type of things. I think it's amazing. Um, I'm sure you will too. And it's just a nice little thing to play out at the end of this very special show. As always, thank you so much for listening. And a lot of podcasters say it and anyone that knows me will tell you it genuinely is true. It means the world to me that you listen and... um, just your support and everything is is wonderful so thank you so much blessings to every single one of you take care and i hope you enjoy this good night everyone day.
Brothers and sisters, won't you come and see? Alice has a message for thee. Love, success, and happiness. A gift for all the family. Alice and the crystal ball. On wintry days, you invite us all. Reading leaves in china cups. Cupboards full. Reached us all.